0: So when you look at the the map of the networks of the brain, if the conductor is there or the ego is there, it will tell the different parts of the brain, you and you can communicate, but you and you can't. Right? So, and I'm putting my foot down and that is the symphony that we're creating, right? But if you take out the conductor, you could see all of these different parts of the orchestra communicating with each other. And that's why you get much more creative, right? With psilocybin or steam. Because they're basically happening or faking out the ego from the equation.
1: Well, you are in for a wild ride today, friends. This is number 391, the Cosmic MD on the Future of Consciousness and Psycho-Spiritual Evolution with third-time guest, Dr. Ted Achacoso. And you can find the show notes for this episode at lukestory.com slash Ted. And there you will find everything we discuss in this conversation, as well as complete written transcripts of every word spoken. Now, for those of you who've heard Dr. Ted on the show before, he needs no introduction. But uh, I'll just say this. Ted is one of the most fascinating characters I've ever met in my entire life, let alone interviewed on this here podcast. Uh, He's one of those rare humans that possesses um, incredible... Intellectual prowess, but also a huge heart. He truly is on a mission to elevate consciousness and alleviate suffering, uh, which is essentially my mission and the mission of this show as well. So we have some great alignment there. And uh, the bottom line is just every time I sit down with Ted, I learn so much. I laugh my ass off. He is just a character. So you're in for a real treat today. Here are but a few of the topics we discuss in this conversation. My experience with the Enlightenment trochee that Dr. Ted created, the science behind the buccal trochee delivery system and why it's so much more effective than taking pills and powders, modulating neural networks to reach enlightenment, the relationship between neuroplasticity and psychedelics, and how methylene blue is so closely related. My experience with mambe as a former cocaine addict, why Chinese food makes you irritable, How Dr. Ted developed the most effective stress release I've ever tried. It's something called TroCalm, and it is incredible. We also talk about organic brain syndrome and the reason why it's so important for pubescent children not to be tried as adults, why ketamine can have the same effect as meditation, and what makes it safer than every other anesthetic. And perhaps more importantly, how to get out of a K-hole and what causes it in the first place. DMT deficiency syndrome and the cure for atheism. And so much more. I mean, I'm going to tell you, this is just a wild chat here. So I'm going to just leave you to getting into it. I'd be here forever if I nailed every bullet point. Just trust me, you want to listen to the end. And if by the end of this conversation, you want to try Dr. Ted's products, uh, Blue Canidine, uh, which is made with Methylene Blue, and the new product, TroCalm, which is really cool. I mean, it really does calm you down. We're going to talk about it in the show. But if you want to try that stuff, here's where you can find it. Go to lukestory.com slash And you can use the code LUKE10 there to get 10% off for a limited time. Uh, I believe that is only available till February 25th. Um, and after that, for those of you that hear this late, the code will be LUKE5, womp, womp, and that gets you 5% off. Again, that's lukestory.troscriptions, or just click on the link in the show notes uh, for this episode on most podcast apps But I'm a huge fan of their Methylene Blue, trokey, And uh, also the new one the, uh, the Trocom Very cool stuff, very effective And definitely worth checking out Alright, without further delay my friends Let's go ahead and jump into this Enlightening conversation With the Cosmic MD himself Dr. Ted Achacoso Dr. Ted, so good to see you again, man. So
0: good to see you, Luke. Dude, we have the best time. Yes, always, Swift. Yeah. I remember seeing you the first time and giving you my gifts.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Boy, what a journey that began. Yeah, so Dr. Ted's been on the show twice. We did one in person in LA when the studio was there, and then we did one Zoom which the Zoom ones for me are usually kind of eh, but yours was awesome. We went into some crazy stuff. (laughs) So we'll link to those in the show notes and people can go back. Uh, I'll put the link for this one at, let me see, lukestory.com slash Dr. Ted. So we'll make that the show notes for this one. Um, And then people can go back and listen to the other ones. But yeah, man, super great to see you. Uh, I wanna start by saying last night I had an interesting experience. (laughs) <laughs> Dr. Ted formulated something for me, kind of off, not for me, but formulated something kind of off-label and gave me... I'm
0: inspired by you.
1: Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I feel honored. And uh, he and his team recommended, just take half a one and, you know, just see how you feel. And I was like, took a whole one. And I was like, wow, this is very interesting. So I had an interesting night.
0: Yes. Um, actually, I'm in a quarter of it right now. So Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, uh, it's a, it's something that's off the books, you know, it's just, uh, something that I, I was experimenting on for the last three years and it's, um, a, what I call the E.T. or the enlightenment Turkey. And as you know, the definition of enlightenment, uh, f- is very simple. You know, it's a freedom from the illusion of the self, and it's not that there is no ego or self, but it's rather it's an illusion, right? An illusion is really defined as what it's not what it seems to be. So you are selfing all the time, meaning your, your egoic role is always coming up. So I wanted something um, that will decrease the suffering of people because the suffering as defined by the Buddha and defined in neuroscience, actually, um, is, you know, this this, uh, clinging and aversion to things. uh, And what does the clinging and aversion is actually the uh, self, right, or the ego. I don't like to use the term ego um usually because it uh, connotes one sense of self-worth so i refer to it as a self-referential system so and as you know um it was accidentally discovered in 1992 uh and then and then uh, experimented on later that the seat of the ego is in the default mode network so and then um uh, later on, with these large-scale networks in the brain, they identified the flow networks in the brain at as, as the central executive network. That's uh, one that's uh, outside looking. You know, I used to do minimally, minimally invasive neurosurgery, right? So, you, you know, four hours seemed like 20 minutes when you do that. That's how you're in a flow state. And they also discovered a switching mechanism between these two. So these two are, uh, it's called the salience network and they're oscillating. So I said, if I can modulate the action of these three networks, will it give me the feeling of enlightenment? And, uh, this is just for my own personal edification. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um you know, the large tracks were not really of the of networks of the brain weren't really in an encyclopedia form until 2015. So, and so I started looking uh, right away for molecules that I could give to myself. I said, you know, I could do this meditation thing for a thousand years. So I could just blast myself with this and at least be um, free from the illusion of the self for about four to six hours. Well, that was definitely
1: the case, my friend. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I... uh it took it pretty early before we had dinner and then at dinner time i was kind of like i'm definitely feeling different and then i started yawning you know which which i do um, typically when i um, do plant medicines and things like that some people puke some people have diarrhea i just yawn profusely I started yawning, and I was like, I think I'm going to go to my room. <laughs> <laughs> but then it was only like 8.30, and I, was, I thought, well, I can't go to sleep at 8.30. What time am I going to wake up? And so I, I just kind of hung out in my room because I didn't really feel like being around a lot of people. And it was really interesting because I kind of didn't know what to do with myself because my mind was just so quiet. Yeah, uh-huh. I didn't want to watch TV. I didn't want to be on my phone. I called the wife. We had a great uh, FaceTime, and and all that, but...
0: Yeah, um, uh, that's one of the things that you notice, right, is a uh, the first thing that you notice is that the the ch- background chatter of your brain stops. I love that about it. Um, sorry, we, can, we, we can't release this on a consumer version, but um, your mind stops, and then uh, you're able to see your roles arise, right? Now I am the husband. I, now I am the, you know, for me, now I'm the doctor, now I'm the teacher, you know, uh, I'm the interviewee, you know, you yeah, see this arise yeah. without being identified with it, right? You're yeah. not identified with the egoic role. Um, you know that you're you're the actor instead. You're very aware that you're the actor and that you're playing a role. You just don't want to come up, you know, uh, in there. But to Luke's credit, this morning, um, he was able to correctly identify the chemical classes that I used for, for this.
1: I'm sitting there in my room last night and... Uh... You know, of course, I can't help but being like, hmm, there's something strangely familiar here. And I start kind of analyzing the, you know, the felt sense of being. And I think, oh, this feels similar to this thing. But then earlier, I kind of felt this thing. So (laughs) I couldn't wait to see you today. Just, you know, like, like, am I close? Am I in the right classes? Yeah,
0: you're able to identify correctly the classes. Well, one class, actually, the intention was to downregulate the uh, default mode network where the ego is, right? So is actually um, the main uh, structures in the brain for that are more or less midline, right? Uh, for the geeks out there, uh, you know, the, uh, the most well-known one is called the posterior cingulate cortex. And there are studies that are being done, for example, in um, a university of Arizona, where they put a highly focused ultrasound on the posterior cingulate cortex and you experience the enlightenment oh wow yeah, yeah so that's because it's it's basically down regulating uh the action of that um of course the um the uh the one that's uh responsible for for your flow activity right it's uh if you see this um you know um uh, meditation, um, bands, etc. they basically hit the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, that's part of your central executive network. So that's more of the, uh, um, uh, that's more of your outward flow. So the, one of the molecules that I use, in fact, the last one that I chose, uh, uh, what it does is actually it upregulates uh, the, your, your flow state, right? And then uh, there's a dynamic switching between the two. So that requires um, a separate uh, molecule to actually modulate the oscillation between the two. And it does give you, uh, you know, a mildly dissociated feeling. Not fully dissociated, but mildly dissociated, meaning you could separate everything looks like a mildly, like a dream state, you know, uh, like a 3D, 4D or whatever D. And you know that you are this this is just hands and you know there's no identity being placed in the body you know that this body is not you
1: incredible stuff well it's a great way to start this conversation we sort of started at the end yeah you
0: know? yes.
1: <laughs> but i i'm experimenting um this weekend throughout these interviews with kind of not having a plan because i'm usually very formulaic and i i lay everything that i want to talk about out and then it gets spontaneous and it goes where it goes naturally right. it's not like a rigid thing but i do have a framework I thought, you know what? I'm just going to feel into someone's field and maybe have a quick chat and then just go. But I think with you, where the work that you're doing now with prescriptions and the work that you just described, just kind of not in the public sector, but more for your um, research and development, yeah. I guess you could say, uh, is brain optimization. Yes. You know, I think right now people are really starting to see that the health of the brain and, uh, you know, the lifestyle choices that we make Mm -hmm. and different nootropics and supplements and things like that, that we can take, uh, the possibilities are kind of endless. And this is something people are really becoming more aware of. So maybe we could start kind of, you know, at the base health optimization level and build our way up to the more nuanced fine tuning.
0: Sure. Sure. Uh, I I would love to do that. Um, Especially because there's a lot of confusion right now about nootropics. You hear nootropics, you hear you know, oh, take this vitamin B6 is a nootropic, and like, yeah, why? You know, and oh, um, uh, you know, um, modafinil is a nootropic, and you know, this piracetam is a nootropic, you know, and 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 so on, and and you go, what exactly do they I mean by this? And so I want to take a look at the old definition of nootropic, and it was uh, basically uh, Cornell New Georgia in um, 72, when he synthesized piracetam. he called it a nootropic. And he essentially said, you know, hey, you know, um, nootropics can really just be divided into two classes, you know, cognitive enhancers and neuroprotectants, and then shoved all of the vitamins, minerals, etc., under neuroprotectants, right? So I said, there's something off with this. And it's because there is no definition of what is health and what is fitness, right? So um, health is really very simple. It's A plus B plus C. You like the acronym is A is absence of disease plus B, the balance between anabolic processes, meaning processes that build and catabolic processes, you know, processes that destroy according to C, the cycle of life of the organism. So Illness medicine just deals with the absence of disease. So I said, I'll take B and C, which is the balancing of the anabolic and catabolic processes according to the cycle of life of the organism. And I call that health optimization. So what does this really mean? It means that just because you're, you're not sick doesn't mean you're well. It only means you're not sick, right? So that has to be differentiated with the definition of fitness, right? And fitness basically asks the question, fit to do what? Like, for example, if you, um, uh, if you look at the advertisements of these sex pills, right, or these uh, erection pills, you know, make sure that you're fit for sexual activity, not, not healthy for, mental acti- uh, for, for sexual activity, right? Or um, in, in law, you're fit to stand trial, not healthy to stand trial. So there's a question, fit for what? And so your baseline for fitness is not necessarily healthy. For example, I can be... Uh, healthy but I'm not fit to run a marathon right Um, and you can be fit to run a marathon but you may not be healthy the same way in the brain you know I may have a healthy brain but I'm not fit to be a memory athlete yet because it requires training right Uh, but you know um, uh, you may be a memory athlete but your brain isn't healthy so you could see now that performance uh, is actually defined by the term fitness it's like would uh, performance to perform what you're are you fit to perform what memorizing you know uh thinking judging uh, because that's what the brain does in in terms of uh cognition right cognition is simply remembering uh thinking judging and uh having insight right so uh those are the things like what so when you take a take a definition from the nootropic we're stuck in the performance mode right And we basically have forgotten the health optimization. So um, when I do um, uh, brain health optimization, essentially the first thing you do is to optimize the whole body first, right? So you start with, since the brain is made up of cells, right? So the brain is made up of uh, neural networks, right? Networks of neurons. And then they're made up of the specialized cell called the neuron. And then the neuron is actually made up of a basic cell. This nucleus, mitochondria, cytoplasm, cell membrane, etc., which is common to all cells in the body, right? Uh, the only uh, cell cells in the body that don't have mitochondria are red blood cells, <laughs> but once upon a time they did have uh, mitochondria, um, except that uh, they, they, no, we had to form um, uh, we had to form hemoglobin, so it gave out the mitochondria so it, it, we could have the hemoglobin right there. So, so you could see that the basic or where it all uh, comes in is if you take care of the basic cell, then, you know, uh, you're basically taking care of the rest first. So, and that's when I, I introduced the class called health optimization nootropics, right? So these are the vitamins, minerals, and other cofactors that you need. Like, for example, if you're, you can test this by, uh, tests called clinical metabolomics. I think you've had this kind of yeah. test already. Yeah, right?
1: with with Dr. Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you could see uh, actually what your levels are uh, of the metabolites of your mitochondria, whether or not you have enough, or whether or not you have enough uh, vitamin B, uh, uh, the B vitamins, right? For uh, example, B six is uh, necessary for, uh, for example, the formation of your serotonin, your your happy mood and your hormone, right? So. If you take care of the basic cell first, because basics is needed by all everything in the body, right? And so it's vitamin C and all this. Uh, this is not limited to the brain. So then we have to optimize the health of the basic cell first. We have to optimize the health of the mitochondria, the health of the cytoplasm, the nucleus, etc. And one of the things um, that has been bandied about here is like, okay, you know, oxidative stress, like redox, oxidative stress. Um, Really seriously, the, that's just, you know, when you think of oxidative stress, Luke, it's easier to think of it as rusting. You're using oxygen and therefore you will rust things, right? As, as you're you're uh, using up oxygen. So when you're, uh, the cell membranes, they wrap all of your cells, right? They can they can rust, you know? So you could see the, the action of the rust here by uh, the lipid peroxidation of the body. And the only test we had before for age, right, was called a T-bar test or the lipid peroxidation test, meaning if your cell membranes were aging faster than your chronological age, then you're actually aging a lot faster than your chronological age. So that was the only test. But now we have uh, various different tests now for, um, uh, for that. Like, uh, for example, we have tests for uh, epigenetic age, right? So they test the methylation of your body. It's like the way I, I uh, see it is the way... Uh, uh david sinclair actually says it is like it's like having plaque on your teeth and you know uh, as you get older you get more and more plaque and uh, basically with uh all of these optimization measures that you you do like you balance your nutrients and hormones if you have hormone deficiencies or nutrient deficiencies or you have um uh, say, mercury toxicity that you you have to address, right? It's just like taking out the plaque from your teeth and then and then you notice that your uh, your, your methylation marker actually uh, gets younger. And so uh, I thought um, I was actually surprised, right? Um, I was bragging to you that I just turned, really turned just uh, 60 just a couple of weeks ago and my epigenetic age is uh, 22 and a half. So... <laughs> that's so cool! I know that's um, great. Yeah, uh, the old test before was the uh, telomere test, right? Right. The telomere testing. I'm so
1: 30. the telomere test has become antiquated, and there's something better this, now. Uh, this is something better, okay. but it's
0: based also based on something more different. Right? Okay. Something different. Uh, by telomere test, I'm old. I'm 32. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, and so so this one. As you can see, when you do brain health optimization, you're doing uh, optimization of the whole cell. And sometimes when your body is wholly optimized, you don't need all of this performance optimizing nootropics. So, this is my classification, right? So, if you're taking, if you're addressing your vitamin, mineral, uh, 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 or deficiencies in amino acids, uh, for example, uh, tryptophan. Uh, comes from phenylalanine, right? Phenylalanine becomes tryptophan. Tryptophan becomes the basis for the formation of your thyroid hormones, right? And dopamine, and then dopamine becomes epinephrine. So you could see the importance of tryptophan. If you're, for example, if you're uh, talking to someone and you see that the the, uh, the uh, phenylalanine levels are low, you would expect that the dopamine levels are also dropping and you would expect the person to have uh, 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 essentially have uh, problems with focusing right so you don't ne- necessarily have to give other right away you now you, you just take a look at these fundamental things uh, 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 for example if you're um uh uh, uh tyrosine ty- uh, ty- sorry phenylalanine becomes tyrosine becomes uh, dopamine and if you take a look at tryptophan levels tryptophan is actually the uh, where serotonin is synthesized from right so uh, so if you look at the uh, uh, tryptophan levels and be slow, then you would expect the metabolites of your serotonin also be low. So you could see this now, you know, there's all of this could be tested. So by simple amino acid uh, therapy, right, by eat, having more protein-rich foods and, and so on, or checking the amino acid profile of your food, you know, there are some drinks and some powders there that actually show you the amino acid profile. Uh, of what you're taking, you can actually address these things without using any drugs first, right? So, um, uh, and uh, for example, um, uh, GABA uh, is actually uh, synthesized from, uh, 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 from uh, glutamine, right? So it's glutamine, then glutamate, then, uh, then GABA. So you could see that these uh, fundamental amino acids, these are used by your body all over. So that's essentially uh, health optimization, not only of the brain, but your entire body. So once your health optimized, then you could push the performance now. Now here's where I call them performance optimizing, the like you because
1: you're not you're not making up for a, an underlying deficit, yes. right? So you're, yes. you're you're correcting the deficit underneath, yes. getting to a baseline yes. of yes. standard health. Yes, having the precursors and the the nutrients necessary to just have general well-being. then, when you get to that point, you turn up the
2: heat.
0: Right. You said uh, uh, actually a very interesting word, which I introduced in a phrase uh, of introducing health optimization, medicine, and practice, which was this practice is about, is the standard. So in disease, you have the standard of care for a particular disease, right? But there is no standard of care for health. So what I'm doing here is defining a standard of care for health, not disease. Wow. So it's the first time that, Uh, actually a standard of care for health is being uh, uh, put out there, that this is a standard of care for health. Because in in medical school, we're taught about pathogenesis or origins of disease, right? We're never taught about salutogenesis or origins of health. That's crazy. Yeah. So what's the, you know, uh, immediately after you learn uh, anatomy and physiology and, and biochemistry, you know, you're shoved into pathology, which is like, Okay, hey, you know this is what can go wrong, but we're never thought we're never thought <laughs> what is healthy and what can go right, right? So, oh my
2: god!
1: So the
0: assumption is very different, right? So one
1: hang, yeah. hang on one second, thank you.
0: Okay, so one is uh, what's called pathogenesis, right? Which is the illness medicine model. We have the salutogenesis model, right? So um, and uh, you know. We use an evolutionary lens for this standard, right? Because um, it has been found that the cell, all cells in the body, and this is important for you uh, to actually realize, is that all cells in the body, once you stress them out, evolutionarily, they only have eight responses, eight fundamental responses, right? And in order to... And the body, the stress will be, the, the, the cells will be stressed all the time, right? Uh, they will be stressed all the time um, because you're adapt- continuously adapting to your environment, right? Uh, either short-term or long-term adaptations to environment. So um, what's interesting there is that the body actually has uh, what's called a cell danger response, right? So, um, and the body has mechanisms by which it, it uh, actually um, uh, hastens the solution, of the cell danger response, right? And that's what we do at uh, Health Optimization Medicine and Practice is we optimize the resolution of the cell danger response. Because if you do not, uh, if the cell danger response is just continuously switched on, that's the beginning of your chronic diseases, like your diabetes and you know uh, all of these other uh, degenerative diseases that, that come on.
1: I want to take just a moment to share one of my greatest discoveries with you. It's an insanely cool and innovative regenerative medicine clinic called Advanced Rejuvenation. Two-time past guest, Dr. John Laurence, created this world-class healing center in Sarasota, Florida, and the stuff they're up to is mind-blowing. I'm talking about the latest and greatest modalities, like methylene blue IVs with red light laser enhancement for nuclear-level antiviral effects and superhuman mitochondrial power plus other incredibly effective treatments like precision, ultrasound-guided injections of stem cells, growth factors, and PRP, as well as prolotherapy, peptides, and TRT sound wave therapy. Dr. John and his team are early adopters of the most advanced alternative medicine tools on the planet and have helped hundreds of people like me not only recover from chronic pain and injuries, but also take their physical and even mental performance to the next level. So if you're looking for the very best in orthopedic medicine, pain relief, injury healing, spine and back problems, and even stroke recovery, Advanced Rejuvenation serves up the best regenerative medicine has to offer. To learn even more about the wizardry these guys are up to, go back and listen to John Laurence on episodes 367 and 380 for a comprehensive understanding of how he and his team are reinventing modern medicine. In the meantime, you can reach them at advancedrejuvenation.us to explore your treatment options. And chances are that if you're dealing with a stubborn issue, they can help. So check out AdvancedRejuvenation.us and experience the future of regenerative medicine. This is also, by the way, uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, my sense or theory on acute or just chronic EMF exposure
0: mm-hmm.
1: is a cell danger response. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, it's, it's already. Would, been would shown... that fit in
1: your yeah, no, no, your uh, paradigm? Uh,
0: no, uh, actually, absolutely, because. Uh, I don't know uh, whether or not you've seen uh, my lecture before, uh, but that this have, uh, EMF has been studied actually in uh, uh, grade school students in Canada, right? And uh, they have shown that they actually, uh, EMF actually increases cellular stress, right? It's not disease, but increases cellular stress. Right. So the, the, it's actually very funny because uh, when I lectured on that, I showed illness medicine immediately goes, oh, uh, here's here's the EMF. And here's the relation to diabetes right no but he, we at health organization go no here's here's the emf uh stressor and here's the re- response to your oxidative stress of the cell right so we go not to the disease but to what the cell actually normally does so the cell will actually uh strive to uh to uh, immediately resolve right the cell danger response now if if it's not if it's perpetually turned on then it will go to chronic diseases and as we know you know uh that illness medicine is very good at acute care acute infections for example or acute trauma but we have a very dismal record of chronic diseases and that's because we haven't looked at lower you know we're still organ based right and so we now that we are able to peer inside the cell uh, of what's happening in there and how it responds to stress now we could actually take a look at this thing and bring it to a coherent framework that you know hey it's about time that you take a look at the origins of health right uh, because the technology now allows us it's like a car with a dashboard right so before we had no dashboard so either you went to a doctor with a flat tire you know or you already had a heart attack or you already had a stroke right um but now you have, like, all of these warning lights, right? The warning lights is like your temperature is getting high or, or you know, you're low on windshield wiper fluid or, you know, you, you have this. And that's a result of us also being able to take a look inside the cell. So you're now low on alpha lipoic acid and you're now low on, on magnesium, etc. That wasn't possible before. Right, but it's now possible. So we had now have a what uh, what I call a metabolomic dashboard. Right, we took a, take a look at these metabolites and say, okay, they need to be balanced out. They need to get replenished, uh, or they, they there's too much. Yeah, they need to get removed. Right, so that's the core of health optimization. And it's, so it's not just in the brain, you know, in the body. And when you when you as, as I said, no one takes care of the basic cell. Right. So who takes care of your nucleus, your mitochondria, cytoplasm, like your illness medicine doctor? No, they won't take care of that, right? So I said, well, let me start a specialty that will take care of your basic cell and its networks for you and uh, take care of uh, how the cell uh, responds when it's stressed out. As it turns out, you know, uh, there are around 21 metabolic branch points that you have to balance, uh, you know, with this. And when I looked at it, that paper came out after I introduced this framework and uh, it was actually quite funny because I, I'm already addressing all of these, right? So, so uh, it, it was uh, uh, actually a great feeling for me to get uh, uh, validated, you know, by by someone who was looking at how the uh, how we actually respond to stress and how we try to resolve the stress right away. So, so from there, then you could go now to the neuron itself, right? So the neuron, actually, when you test for it, so. In, in the basic cell, you're testing for the metabolites inside the cell, right? The fundamental metabolites of your mitochondria, you know, and so on. But when you go and take a look at the neuron now inside in, in the brain, then um, you have to take a look at neurotransmitters. And, you know, you know your neurotransmitters already. You know, dopamine is here for, for, for your focus and for the reward system circuitry of the brain. Um, there is one thing that I'd like to correct, actually, in terms of the impression of people, is that um, the dopamine reward the dopamine. If it's the first time that you're actually going to get something, right? It's the first time ever that you're going to get something. Then it's the dopamine that's a reward, right? But if it's the second time or the third time that you're going to get the reward, the mere anticipation of the reward is enough to burst your dopamine. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. interesting. And, and that's why it's. that's why gambling is highly addictive. You know, and all this anticipation of the reward yeah. and. You couple that with the randomness of the payout, for example, in gambling, right? So uh, the more it gets addictive because you don't know when you're going to get rewarded for it, but you keep on anticipating.
1: That's kind of like um, the social media algorithms too, right? It's with the likes and follows and comments and refreshing and refreshing to see if it got more traction, you know?
0: Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is, right? Yeah. You're basically being with that. I
1: remember hearing something about the, the way that they build apps like Instagram and TikTok and stuff to be, you know, very sticky to the user yeah. is they actually designed it to be like a slot machine, yeah. you know, with like literally with the refresh. It's yeah, like pulling yeah, the handle yeah. on a slot machine yeah. and you got three, <laughs> ding, 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 you know, you didn't quite get it. You know, so you go again, or oh, maybe this time, maybe this time. You know, it's it's crazy.
0: And and it's uh, it's actually um, quite sad for us too as a society because it doesn't matter whether or not what you're saying is true, right? Mm-hmm. What matters is that you're emotionally engaged because that's the one that's gonna. It provides the motivation for you to do the like, dislike, like. You get right. very you get very angry at something that is not necessarily true, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. The, because the whole game is to manipulate your emotion, right? And so you engage because it's the emotion that will get you engaged. Your brain won't. Your your intellect won't get you engaged.
1: And right? staying engage, yeah, it's the engagement that yeah. they've monetized. Yeah, right. Because the more engaged you are, they throw ads is at it, you. Yeah, and, you yeah, know, and,
0: yeah. And that's uh, essentially how you game the dopamine system of your brain, right? It's the reward circuit. Wow! Yeah, uh,
1: how does I I want to divert a little here? Uh, Something just popped in that I, for some reason, I've not talked to you a lot about, and we've had a lot of in-depth conversations on mic and off. But how does the uh, dopamine system relate to acute addiction? So not something or chemical addiction. So not gambling or social media, but heroin, cocaine, alcohol.
0: yeah, yeah uh, well,
1: crystal meth. These really yes, uh, hard addictions to break. These,
0: these things have the capacity. For example, dopamine. Uh, cocaine has the capacity to raise your dopamine levels to four thousand percent. Oh my god! Yeah, four thousand x. Sorry.
1: And that by, so by that four thousand x. Yeah. So that explains the the horrible come down. Yes. From cocaine, yes, right. You're because on, it basically you're on top of the world. You're solving all the world's yeah, problems. Yeah. You, you're the shit. Yeah. You feel like king of the universe. And then 20 minutes later, you're like, I want to kill myself.
0: Yes, yes. Oh, and that's God. that's a that's a reason for that. That's the reason why you feel like Superman, right? Uh, in all of this, if if a substance raises your dopamine level substantially, you would like to compulsively redose. You know that, you know. Uh, uh while you're uh while you 're in this it's like you 're still just for example uh, a couple of hours in it and you want another hit because it feels so good you don 't want to come down right then you know that uh that is uh, basically a dopamine releasing drug right and it releases in high doses now for those of you who are doing this um you know and 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 you know that you uh, you want to compulsively dose what i um uh, I advise them to do is to actually set your doses in decreasing. Uh, you put them already in capsules if you're taking a powder and set them. This is now um, uh, basically mitigation of your, um, uh, the, for for the risk of addiction, right? Risk mitigation for addiction is that, say, pre- prepare three capsules of decreasing doses. Say the, the recommended dose is 200 milligrams, then Put in the next dose at like, uh, you know, uh, 100 milligrams and then the next dose at at, uh, 75 and be done with it. You know, keep the rest of your powder so that you won't get, you know, you won't. Basically, use your entire one kilo bag in like two days. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I would advise just avoid cocaine if we're talking about that one. But I you
0: know there, there are many cocaine like substances. Yeah. Uh, what are know? some
1: of the other ones?
0: Um, the, the one that's no longer in the market, for example, is a 4MMC, right? Uh, oh. Which is a very strong cocaine like um, uh, uh, feeling uh, that you get. And um, it it became a party drug and then uh, it's now out. But it's been replaced by by other cathinones. Uh, uh, since, I see. Yeah, yeah. You
1: know what I discovered uh, recently uh, through a friend of mine is um, cacao leaf, not cacao, sorry, coca C- leaf, C- yeah. coca leaf powder. They yeah. call it mambe and you mm-hmm. mix it with baking soda and you mm-hmm. put it in your cheek. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as someone who was a former um Cocaine addict. I was a little nervous, and then you know, I did some research on it, and I found that everyone claims that it's very mild and non-addictive, mm-hmm. and uh, I really like it. It's and it's it's it showed me kind of the the wisdom of a plant medicine, just yeah. left unadulterated, kind of like uh, kratom, kratom yeah. or kratom as someone in the uh, Asia would call it. It's like when you mess with them, then you start taking out the other constituents of that plant Mm. wisdom that balance it you know so that it's like the the coca leaf is the it's like the good parts of cocaine without the bad and there's something about I mean obviously you're getting much less of the molecule but I don't ever find like it's potentially addictive at all in fact I have some here Uh, we're not in the United States right now by the way Uh, (laughs) um, and I I forgot about it it. I packed it in my bag so I'm not like thinking where's the coca leaf where's the coca leaf you know
0: uh, um, you know how it's traditionally used, right? It's uh, used as a traditional uh, tea in the Andes because right. uh, to 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 cure altitude sickness. Right. And it used to be when you hiked the Andes and you were feeling uh, sick, right, from the altitude, you could just go to someone's house and they would serve you that for free. They, you know, they know that you can you can get that uh, from from the high altitude. So that is uh, the you know you could see the, the native uses it. Of course, it's used as an uh, uh, it's used as an anesthetic for for um, for pain, right? Um, it's also a uteroic, it makes you feel good, right? Um, I have uh, actually uh, coca leaves in uh, olive oil.
2: Oh, interesting. Yeah.
0: It extracts something different if it's in oil. Oh, no way. Oh, no, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 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 I so, mean, it's a, it's a great
1: plant medicine. I mean, I use it for focus, you know, yeah. doing computer work and it, yeah, sometimes it, even interviews.
0: Yeah, and here you can just you can just actually not take the, the leaf itself. You can just uh, take Part of the oil. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah.
1: Why is it? I'm just going to geek out on some chemistry here. Why is it with the coca leaf powder that you have to put the this alkaline baking soda in it to activate it? Because when I first got it, I just put it in my mouth and I was like, I don't feel anything. Yeah. Yeah. And then someone told me, no, you got to mix it with baking soda. So I did that, and then it numbs your cheek, and you get this kind of very mild euphoric, e- yeah, and focus uh a focus uh kind of attention benefit from it but what's up with the the baking soda oh, or the olive oil oh
0: it adds uh the the geeky part of it is that it adds an oh group uh to the to the molecule which for which it binds uh, very avidly right and it sort of like changes the conformation of the molecule such so that it becomes active oh okay so right it's just like uh you know, um, saying, "Well, scoot over," and then as it scoots over, it gets crunched into a different shape.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. And does the olive oil formula that the you, you're finding the olive oil of?
0: actually, since it's a uh, 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 it's water soluble, the the active substances there are water soluble, um, then essentially you're extracting it at higher concentration.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah. I'm going to do that. <laughs> Thank you for the tip. <laughs> Side note.
0: <laughs> Side note. Yeah. But, but anyway, um, yeah. as I said, these are uh, dopamine releasers. And uh, we were talking before the show, you know, uh, nicotine at high doses can release uh uh, dopamine also uh, by 40x right so wow are, that's yeah, an, that's, this, a, that's a
1: massive this increase. A, yeah that's
0: why that's why um uh it's hard to quit cigarette smoking right for those who are three packs a day or so on it's like it's it's really hard to it's hard
1: for me to not chew lucy gum every hour all day long. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but because the feeling the feeling of, of of uh of being alert focused you know et cetera it's that's very addicting it's a great yeah, feeling. Yeah, it's a great feeling.
1: Yeah, when you feel sharp and laser-focused, especially if you have a purpose. I mean, for me, I started out using nicotine as a nootropic to do yeah, focus work yeah. and things like that, but I just kind of got used to the feeling. I like the feeling. And <laughs> Yeah,
0: I, I, you know, uh, uh, nicotine actually works on um, uh, the same receptors as acetylcholine, so it actually boosts your working memory. So you have a lot more uh, of sort of like... Uh, temporary storage of information while you're working. Really? Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. So that's why I put nicotine in blue canatine is because yeah. that's the one that's proven to improve your working memory.
1: In the blue canatine, you've got, uh, what, one milligram? Just one milligram. Okay, yeah. Yeah.
0: And and I'm a sissy when it comes to the dose, right? I can't even do one blue canatine. It's like I can only do one fourth. I'm, prob- I'm already okay because I'm I'm health optimized. Yeah. So, so just one fourth is really just boosts my attention. And, um, you know,
1: I've, I've, on that note, I've actually noticed over the years as I've become just generally more healthy mm-hmm. from the lifestyle that I live that um, I've become much more sensitive to nootropics. Yes. You know, like, that's what's, that's gonna happen. like I used to take a huge tablespoon of paracetam before my interviews and now that would probably give me anxiety. It would be, yeah. be yeah. too like too, too stimulating. Yeah. Well,
0: that's because you're getting more and more health optimized, and that's why I said, yeah, you know, yeah. when your basic cell is optimized, your entire body is optimized. You would just need a little of the performance optimizing nootropic to boost performance. Right. 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 So um, we were talking about dopamine and addiction. Yes. Yes. And then there's also, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, one that they. The, uh, uh, is commonly affected by drugs is you know your serotonin level right, right. you can test for the serotonin level it has a metabolite um called five hydroxy uh, tryptamine right uh, that's that's the you could see the uh five uh, hydroxy acetic acid is actually the me- downstream metabolite and i have said some uh patients uh with very high five hydroxy acetic acid and you know when you look at it it's like oh this is high you know But you could see that they're actually overusing their serotonin, right? So these uh, clients are clients because they're not sick, right? They're usually depressed and they're compensating by using up a lot of serotonin. So you could see the the rise in in the downstream metabolite of serotonin. So
1: interesting,
2: yeah.
0: And serotonin, uh, as I said, it comes from uh, from tryptophan, right? You can just uh, uh, do a health, make sure that your your um, essential amino acid group is uh, actually at uh, levels between twenty one and thirty years old, and you should be okay, right? Um, and, and your serotonin production should be okay. So uh, and the other uh, important one for wakefulness, right? Um, instead of taking modafinil, make sure that they you know, your norepinephrine levels, which is uh, responsible for your wakefulness, right? When you're focusing, it's, uh, you know, you can focus, but you can be sleepy, right? Those are two separate things. And it's your uh, norepinephrine or for the British noradrenaline, the norepinephrine actually um, uh, levels is responsible for your wakefulness. And that comes from, um, uh, that, that comes from dopamine itself. It's a, You know, uh, if you uh, just one step and you you get actually uh, norepinephrine.
1: Being the health nut that I am, I've been doing lab work and doing my best to improve my biomarkers for years. But I have to admit, it's been expensive and often confusing without the support I need to implement the changes needed to get optimized. Getting lab results is one thing, but what's often missing is personalized recommendations. That's why I was so stoked to find Inside Tracker. They do DNA, blood, and fitness tracking in real time. Inside Tracker is the only human performance system that integrates real time physiomarker data from your fitness tracker with your existing blood and DNA biomarker data. So once you sign up and get your testing done, you track your progress and adjust based on real time feedback from your own body. As your body improves, your blood biomarkers change too. So you retest every 3 months to see what's working and what's not and then adjust your goals to develop a new action plan. It's incredibly simple and very effective. If you want to take your performance to the next level, go to insidetracker.com/luke where you will save 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Again, visit insidetracker.com/luke for, for this type of testing, Ted, how could someone listening that's like, wow, I, yeah. you know, I'm depressed or I have anxiety or I can't focus or can't yeah. sleep or don't have, you know, wakefulness. Yeah. How could an average person go get these tests done? Where are they available? What are they called?
0: Yeah, um, these are called uh, clinical metabolomics tests okay. or metabolomics tests. Uh, you can, you know, uh, you can uh, go to the nonprofit that they started uh, a couple of years ago. It's homehope.org, you know. Uh and you could uh ask for a practitioner um okay uh, cool. to 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 guide you through.
1: Homehope.org. Okay, yeah, great. We'll yeah. put that in the show notes.
0: Yeah, and uh we're always confused with functional medicine people, we're not because um they're after the root causes of disease and we're after the root causes of health. So we have a very different way of uh looking at things, right? Right, so, right. So uh uh, for them, if the is over is over, for me, uh, the goal is your continuous optimization. So the the thing never really stops, right? Your 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 goal really never stops because you want to continue uh, continue to optimize health. So the, the, those three actually, dopamine, serotonin, and uh, norepinephrine determine mood, right? Mm, so yeah. maybe, so you could now test all of those. But the one thing that's uh, actually neat is that you can consider you know, acetylcholine, which is responsible for memory, right? Uh, and, and uh, uh, dopamine and serotonin and norepinephrine, you can, can call them uh, neuromodulators, meaning they modulate the activity, uh, the the bursting of the uh, uh, electrical signals in the brain. And the two important ones, which are, uh, you know, we just assume that they're there, but with uh, is neglected, uh, most of the time is that the, uh, uh, glutamate, for example, is the major excitatory neurotransmitter in, uh, the body, right? In, in the brain. So, um, that's why, um, there is this, uh, you know, monosodium glutamate is a, uh, what's called an excitotoxin because it excites the brain way too much. It's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, there's a wifi and it's crackling and that's, just uh, that's glutamine
1: this is why msg-laden food yes. tastes so good tastes and it so keeps you coming back yeah. for more
0: yeah and and uh, and and the uh, uh the syndrome from it if you eat from a restaurant that uh, has msg um in its food is that you get very ir- irritable right um and that's because it's an excitatory um uh, glut- glutamine becomes glutamate and it's an excitatory neurotransmitter and that's the main one you can see you can consider the others as like focal there are regions in the brain that secrete it. but this one is all over the brain Oh, so, so it's the main on switch of the brain right? is
1: there any risk to taking certain psychedelics or plant medicines and having like a, a glutamate Inflammatory response uh, not, as as part of not, kind of the hangover yeah, of that.
0: Not on glutamate, but I will. Um, okay. I will. Tell I'm kind you of la- jumping ahead. I but... will tell you later. Okay. When we discuss uh, neural networks. Okay. Where this uh, this thing uh, uh, can happen, um, uh, in th- in terms of uh, the other one that's neglected actually is the GABA system, the GABAergic system, right? And that's the main off switch of the brain. It also occurs everywhere. And that's the, the reason why uh, people, uh, one of the reasons why people cannot sleep right away or have poor sleep is that they have poor uh, regulatory control of their GABAergic systems, what they call GABAergic systems in the brain. Now, um, uh, the reason why your tongue is orange is uh, that I actually created... Show them uh, on camera. <laughs> I,
1: I'm not ill, guys. I swear.
0: Um is, is orange is, uh, because, uh, I created something that I said, what is it that can calm people down in a natural way? So I took a look at what are the best sellers out there that calm people down and you see it's Valium, right? A benzos in street yeah. name and benzodiazepines. Yeah. And, um, they actually are agonists or they actually uh, go to the GABA receptor. So and they induce this calm, right? I said, are there any um, natural molecules that do that? Oh, yeah, there are. And so ever me creating something to calm me down, especially before sleep, when you're when you're when your mind is like, you know, uh, going at 100 miles an hour and you already want to rest, you know, can I take something? Um, And so many people are asking me, we want something for anxiety. And I said, okay. so uh, I took a look at a couple of plant molecules, one of which is actually uh, kava, right? Uh, yeah. So um, extracted, we extracted uh, the, uh, the active ingredient from, from kava and took a look and saw that it actually modulates the, the, the receptor, right? That plus uh, uh, we're I'm also working with a direct uh, uh, GABA agonist, Plus, of course, as uh, uh, CBD and the uh, CBG, right, uh, cannabigerol, the one of the minor uh, cannabinoids out there, so it really calms you down. Um, and you know, we set it out, and and uh, people were saying, no, 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 we, 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 you know, we we get people who say, if you manufacture two thousand pieces of this, I want it all.
1: So, <laughs> I'm, yes. I'm the same way <laughs> every time I go downstairs and see uh, Scott I'm like got any more of those calm ones what are they called what are they trocom the- tro-com.
0: trocom yeah yeah, yeah. Tro-com. so for
1: those listening there's the transcriptions, the blue canatine yeah. and with then there's
0: just blue yeah
1: and just like a high dose methylene blue yeah, and yeah. then trocom, Tro, trocom are the orange ones. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. They're incredible. Yes. Yeah, trocom-,
0: trocom the fuck down, right? We, <laughs> <laughs>
1: we gave Bailey one last night. And after like two minutes, she's like, wow, the side of my face is numb. I'm like, yeah, that's the kava. Yeah, that's the cal- strong kava. Yeah. It's very strong. There's a lot of crappy kava on the market. Yeah. I mean, you know, you go to Whole Foods, you can get like kava kava capsules, yeah, they don't yeah. do anything. Um, so I'm glad you guys figured it out. You know, there's a couple of other like, uh, like tinctures, the um, kava plex, yeah. you know, is quite strong. And there's um, another one called uh, feel free. These drinks I have that are uh, made with kratom and yeah. kava extract, and they're noticeably calming. I mean, you're, yeah. there's a state change, but yours is the only one, especially in a trochee that like happens that fast. So tell us, just I'm gonna sidetrack here. Yeah, we're just gonna sure. wa- Bob yeah, and weave. Abs, abs. You, you were telling me last night you you chose to do new tro- or your um trochies rather as than a, like a capsule, yeah, pill, a liquid. Yeah, as when you, buckle when, buckle trokie. Yeah, yeah. When you put it up in your gum, that it's closer to your, it's brain, your brain or something.
0: Brain circulatory system. So the 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 base of the brain is actually right here, uh, right just right above the your palate, right? So, um. Uh, believe me, I've, I've inserted many catheters in there, uh, during my, uh, days, uh, poking around in the brain, but, um, with live patients, but, um, uh, <laughs> um, it, uh, there are two, you know, trochee can be a lozenge, you know, you put it under your tongue, but this is a buckle trochee is actually between your upper cheek and gum, right? There's a, the space between your cheek and gum is called the buckle, uh, uh space and you insert it up there. Actually ideal is for it not to dissolve in saliva, right? Because saliva you're gonna swallow. So the the better the 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 opposition between your mucous membrane and the troche itself, then it goes directly to the bloodstream that is at the base of your brain. Right. So the effect is more immediate. And then
1: it doesn't have to pass through your GI tract and get filtered out by your liver. Yeah. By the
0: liver. And as uh, we were talking last night, I said I want to keep it as close to the brain as possible. Yeah. But if I want, if I were making a a boner suppository, I'd probably shove it <laughs> <laughs> shove it in the Put ass. In a, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or insert it in the urethra. Yeah, there is actually. Uh, a drug that you insert into your ow Yeah,
1: ow, I would yeah. just not have sex if that was the case. <laughs> well, you're you're going to meet my friend Dr. John Lawrence who's who's been on the show a couple of times, and uh, he's the one that makes these NAD suppositories yeah, yeah. and and melatonin yeah. and stuff. And um, I, I like that idea of alternative methods of administration yeah, because delivery, you can yeah. you can bypass the you know yeah. all of the filters that are going to take out what you're trying to get in your bloodstream. Yeah. You know?
0: Um. Uh, well. You know. We discussed this uh, before. You know. Um, uh, The reason why DMT is not orally active is that the liver will immediately, you know, degrade it, right? That's Ah, why you have to, you have to inhibit the liver. In fact, um, Banisteriopsis capi or the vine itself, that is actually the liver inhibitor, right? Right. So the plant, contains the DMT. So, but what is known as ayahuasca is actually the vine and is actually uh, a liver inhibitor. So, right. Right. You know, so that the uh, the DMT in Psychotria viridis, the plant, will actually uh, can actually stay in your system for much longer. So right. you could see. Well, you know, um, the liver has, is very has been very kind to us, right? It detoxifies a lot of things uh, and so on. But um, sometimes, you know, you need to inhibit it in order to get the effects that you want for an oral formulation.
2: Got it. You know, for an oral formulation. Got it.
0: Methylene blue actually at low doses. Um, will inhibit uh, what's called mono, uh, monoamine oxidase A, uh, and when you do that, and and that's in the liver, right? And when you do that, your monoamine um, neurotransmitters will rise. Dopamine, that's monoamine. Oh wow! Right? Okay, so, I got a <laughs> I got
1: a question for you. Uh, a couple of years ago, I had let me see six experiences. In peyote ceremonies, mm-hmm. and these peyote ceremonies, the way that these shaman held their ceremonies was that uh, you're not allowed to fall asleep, lay down, anything. You got to be sitting up, cognizant, aware of the whole ceremony, because there's all of these ancient traditions that are sort of embedded in that experience. To stay calm, to stay awake, I was doing the transcriptions, mm-hmm. the the uh, blue canatine. Mm-hmm. It's got a little caffeine in there, and the yeah. methylene blue. Yeah, and in all six of those experiences, I took the same amount of medicine as everyone else—like mm. a few handfuls of peyote, powdered powdered cactus—and I didn't really feel it. And afterward, I was wondering because I was the only one taking methylene blue. I was wondering if I'm if I like blocked it by taking the methylene blue. Is there anything chemistry wise that I was in that trochee that would prevented me from having a more full experience? Yeah, with-
0: well. Uh, mescaline with the mescaline, uh, mescaline, right. It's yeah. A, mm-hmm. uh, a peyote is mescaline and mescaline is, uh, a 5-HC2A receptor. Um, uh, it, 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 binds to, the to the 5 H 2 a receptor, much like LSD and so on, uh, and so on. But I think it's like to the order of magnitude of uh, a few thousands less, so a low dose of, uh, you know, a, a dose of mescaline versus uh, LSD will be thousands of orders of magnitude different. So one, it could be that the dose that you took is way too low. Uh, number two is that you probably raised all, uh, all of your dopamine, because you're taking, uh, that you probably raised your, your dopamine, serotonin, nor epinephrine levels, such that the rise in serotonin was not perceptible to you.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there were positive experiences and, yeah. you know, as the hours wore on, there were some revelations and things that were were, were very powerful and worthwhile. But I'm, I just remember on those occasions looking around the room and I'm going like, what did these guys take? Because I'm pretty... Straight, you know what yeah, I mean? It's yeah. just, I'm not having, people are seeing their grandma in the fire and having all these things. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, what time is it, you know?
0: Yes. Yeah, it's because uh, it, it actually raises all of the other neurotransmitters. So you have a more balanced look. Got uh, it. When you put things in imbalance, like for example, in DMT, when there's a very, uh, or, or even MDMA, right? when there's very high rise in your serotonin levels, right, you will see uh, all of those. Um, responses, right? Got it. And, Got it. And therefore you, uh, essentially, uh, uh want to avoid that's called the serotonin syndrome, right? By eating, when you eat like tyramine rich foods, like cheeses, for example, or, uh, even chocolate, right? For chocolate has phenethylamines and so on. So, and uh, while your liver is blocked. So these are the kinds of things that you could, you would get into, but it's more of the serotonin that you're worried about, right? dopamine you're worried about because it can get you addicted and the crash actually is quite severe in in serotonin too the crash can be quite severe uh if you just you know take mdma like every two hours or something it's just like really bad right um and and so these are the kinds of um uh, if you take a look at it you're basically elevating these neurotransmitters and then crashing them right but when you have a liver liver inhibitor you know, essentially, they, they rise. So what happened to you there in your experience is that they probably all rose. And uh, since um, I think the the classic peyote is Lollophora williamsi or something like that, it's the cactus, right. Um, and it's actually uh, you need a very high dose of it to approximate even, you know, um, LSD or any of the other classic psychedelics in there.
1: Yeah, int- yeah interesting well yeah. i i i learned just based on intuition you know if i'm going to participate in an experience like that to mm-hmm. just leave everything else out so that i can really be more finely tuned to yeah. that particular experience or that um, entourage of different um, alkaloids and things like that yeah. right there's yeah. I learned kind of maybe I shouldn't interfere with it, and just if if I get sleepy, oh well, you know. Yeah, I think it's kind of my controlling nature. It's like I want to manage every little situation like that so that it's perfect, you know. And sometimes it kind of goes haywire. I'm um, not that they were negative experiences, but I just thought, huh, that's interesting. Yeah, I might have I might have blocked some of the experience by just you know taking things to stay awake and focused and such.
0: Yeah, it's actually a a, a good segue. You know, your your uh, mentioning of uh, of Beaudy, do to the next part of what you would like to take t- we'd like to take a look at in the brain when you optimize it, right? So first we optimize the basic cell and then the neurons. And then after the neurons, the neural network, of course, the brain is a network of neurons, right? And here's where this gets interesting, right? Uh, when you take um, high doses of uh, mescaline, for example, or uh, of psilocybin. Uh, psilocybin is a pro-drug, right? Psilocin is the active drug. It's converted by the liver to psilocin, right? Um, and what it does is that it uh, essentially uh, dampens the activity of your default mode network right your DMN um, it dampens activity. so when you look at the the map of the networks of the brain, if the conductor is there or the ego is there, it will tell the different parts of the brain you and you can communicate but you and you can't right Oh wow so. And I'm putting my foot down. And that is the symphony that we're creating, right? But if you take out the conductor, you could see all of these different parts of the orchestra communicating with each other. And that's why you get much more creative, right? With psilocybin or with LSD, because you're basically dampening or taking out the ego from the equation. And remember, the ego is not a noun. For me, it's a verb, right? because uh, you're selfing all the time yeah, each time that you're you're moving around you're meeting people etc the self is just continuously uh it's a process rather than um rather something static.
1: like some uh, some alter identity it, it, or something like that it, it, yeah it's a process yeah. that
0: just comes up right
1: here's a hot winter tip for you it's called Organify gold if you've ever had a golden latte you know how bomb this type of herbal elixir tastes and feels I've been on this stuff for years and have no plans of stopping anytime soon. It's got nine superfoods like turmeric, ginger, reishi mushrooms, and tons of other great stuff that support rest, relaxation, recovery, and repair. I blend mine up with warm water and either ghee or coconut oil. It's also low sugar, organic, and super calming when you need to get your chill on. It's like a warm dessert, except it's actually really good for you. Organify Gold is, of course, completely organic. It's also gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, vegan, and, of course, thank God, non-GMO. So if you're looking for an alternative to sweets and coffee late in the day or at night, Organifi Gold is the ticket. You can get your gold over at Organifi.com slash Lifestylist. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, Organifi with an I, Organifi.com slash Lifestylist. And they are going to give you 20% off anything in the store if you use the code Lifestylist. Again, that's Organifi.com slash Lifestylist, and the code is Lifestylist. I think so many people in spiritual circles vilify the ego and and I used to see it from that perspective like I have to get rid of the ego that's my problem but I see it more broadly as nature's way of allowing us to differentiate right and mm-hmm. to assess and judge and so when that becomes when you become too ego identified then you're into judgment of everything and valuation of everything constantly and putting yourself somewhere in the hierarchy of your valuation as I'm better than everyone in the kind of classical sense of a big ego or in in low self-esteem and low self-worth, your ego identified kind of on the flip side of ego where your valuation and differentiation of yourself compared to others is less than them. And it puts you in this yo-yo of like, where do I fit in Mm -hmm. in order to find safety and to perceive threats, right? So-
0: Wow, you you have a uh, you have that down in a complex what? way. What? I, I, look, I look at it for I look at it really uh, in really very simple terms. But do you, um, do you see what I mean? So uh, it's I, like I, I do. I do understand what you it's mean. It's like
1: the yeah. ego is given to us by creation as part of our navigational system to see where we fit and where there, it's safe and there. where it's not. Right. There's
0: where I begin. Right? Okay. Uh, uh, there's where I begin because as a scientist, uh, you know. Uh, I look at it from an evolutionary point of view, right? The ego is actually a neural network. Basically, it's a, a network, um, that is there for your physical protection, right? It makes sure that you, you get, uh, what you need to eat. It makes sure that you're able to reproduce. It makes sure that, you know, you, man- you maintain all of these things to keep you alive. So for everything physical. The ego is necessary, right? However, we invented language and now we have the uh, symbolic system around us, right? And, uh, my example is, you know, uh, you, you know, um, uh, someone cuts you off in the street and, and, uh, you know, and you flip a bird, you know, it's like you, you get very hot under the collar. You're no longer, uh, being chased by a saber tooth tiger, right? right? but you're still very self-protective at the time. So for things physical, the ego is necessary, but when it comes to symbolic stuff, you know, it's not necessary anymore, right? Uh, The thinking that uh, goes up there, they're just like, I have this, uh, uh, I think of of, uh, thoughts like a lava lamp, right? They're just thoughts. They're they're not owned by anyone, they just uh, float out there, but the ego will say, oh no, those are mine. Those are my thoughts, those are my ideas, those are my, my, my. Right. And you see that it actually stems from the fact that it has to provide for itself on the physical uh, dimension. Right. But when you uh, basically, you know, um, move it up to the symbolic dimension, then you get into all of the trouble. Right. Because then things begin to have meaning and value. Right. Um, uh, For example, oh, you didn't get that fucking promotion or at work or something like that. I'm, I'm sorry, I've never occupied a a paid position where, <laughs> to get employed. But um, uh, the, the, um, the, uh, uh, the, the thing that that's there is that, how can I provide for myself, right? And suddenly your values are actually reflected or rooted still on the physical part of the role of the ego, which is to be able to provide you food. Right. And it, to be able to do that, you must maintain your social status. You must maintain this, 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 and the more, the higher social, social status, the more, the more, um, uh, resources you have, you know, then the more assured you are of the, uh, that you're going to be alive and safe for a long time. And that's where, um, ayahuasca actually is, uh, uh, uh very useful because it removes that insecurity of your survival, right? Uh, It removes the insecurity of survival. The ego is always insecure that it's going to survive. And that drives most of us, right? The insecurity to survive uh, drives most of us uh, in our daily lives. Even if, no matter how far removed you are from that fundamental uh, fractal right there, right, of the insecurity of the ego, if you take a look at what you're doing, why am I really doing this? And you go back and you say, oh, you know, I think because I think I still have to provide for myself, even if I'm already set, right? So these are the kinds of things that you you ask yourself, and you 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 see that 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 much of the stuff that you do actually stems back from the fundamental physical uh, needs from where from where the ego arose, right? So that's how I look at it. You know, yeah. for me, it's yeah. a lot simpler. Like that's the insecurity of being alive yeah. and being able to reproduce. Well, uh, speaking
1: of evolutionarily, yeah. right? It's Living beings that are, I don't want to say lower because it like devalues them, but you know, a caterpillar to a bird to a cow mm-hmm. to a lion, right? They're just running on pure instinct mm-hmm. and their senses tell them what's safe, what to eat, what not to eat, who to mate with, but they don't have the prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm to then get trapped in the calculations that we get trapped in when we have that same animal body telling us mm-hmm. what's safe, what's not safe, mating, food, shelter, all those things you're describing. But we then seem to sort of intellectualize those mm-hmm. fears of survival and getting what we need and what we want. And that's yeah. the trap, right? right? Where we we can't get out of that perspective.
0: You mentioned something important, the prefrontal cortex, you know? Uh, why do you think teenagers make all of these horrible decisions and so on? Because it's not fully mature until you're 25 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Some
1: people I'd venture to say maybe 35, but yeah.
0: (laughs) Prolonged adolescence. Well, (laughs)
1: here, no, to that point though, uh, it's kind of funny, but when I was a kid, uh, you know, I did a lot of drugs really early on. Uh and Thankfully, I was able to stop that when Uh I was 26. I mean, recreational, destructive drugs. And so during the time when my brain was supposed to be developing and coming online like that, I, you know, I got sober when I was 26 and I swear to God from 26 to 36 is when I started actually kind of growing up, mm-hmm. you know, cause I was so stunted emotionally and mentally and God knows what, what other damage. So I, I wonder how common that is for people that actually shunt the development of their brain when it's supposed to be happening naturally and end up kind of you know behind so to speak
0: yeah you know when you um, at what age did you start using drugs Luke? eight or nine eight or nine well you know the brain you know the the uh, major events in the brain at the time will be as you're hitting puberty right the brain remyelinates meaning the the insulation of the wires of the brain get changed so the first quiescent period is as age seven Right? Because that's when the myelination is uh, complete for that particular time. And then it starts remyelinating again, uh, or re-insulating itself when puberty hits. That's why, um, there are so many, uh, cross wires, right? Because of the uninsulated wires, because, uh, you know, um, uh, the hormones will be changing the firing rates and so on and so forth. It's necessary for sexual maturation, right? So, um. That's a, what's called the organic brain syndrome, right? And uh, people have been wondering whether or not that could be used for, for as a uh, legal argument for teenagers, you know, doing, doing um, terrible <laughs> right, things, right, right? Right. So, so in your case, like you studied, you started at uh, uh, eight or nine, and then your brain had to remyelinate, right? And then your prefrontal cortex is also maturing and, um. Uh, so when you're actually hijacking the dopaminergic system or the serotonergic system, and and uh, you know cocaine is dopaminergic essentially, uh, you're essentially exhausting already the cells of the of 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 the body. But the good thing is when you're younger, you know your capacity for neurogenesis is so much higher, right? As uh, as adults, there's some there's still some neurogenesis that goes on, or meaning the production of new nerve cells, but not as much when you were younger. So. Um, the bounce back that you're getting, uh, is actually because you woke up and said, I'm not going to do this shit to my brain anymore or to myself anymore. But, um, and, and, uh, when did you stop using drugs? 26. 26. Well, uh, that's why you're like this, man. It's, (laughs) (laughs) i kidding. (laughs) You know, because, uh, um, uh, I, I don't recommend actually, um, uh, constant drug use, right, for, uh, until yeah. about 20, 20 no, uh, uh, if, if you're, if for me, it's like, it's like this. if you're going to get fucking addicted, get addicted at 26, don't get addicted yeah, before.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. It's yeah. a, it's a tough, a tough life to, to, uh, grow out of. Yeah, know, because, and, percent- and many people don't, many people don't escape. I would say the vast majority of people that go into acute cycles of addiction don't end up recovering.
0: Yeah. You know? Um, you know, uh, the prefrontal cortex is very, um, uh, very important for risk assessment, right? What risks are you going to take in your life? And how do you how do you uh, intuitively calculate those risks? And that's, that's uh, extremely important. Right. Hence
1: so, teenagers, you know, yeah. driving 150 miles yeah, an hour into
0: yeah, a tree. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's exactly. that's funny you say that because I I noticed now as I'm older and hopefully a little bit wiser, I don't like doing things that are physically dangerous for the thrill of it. Right. Yeah. When I was young, I mean my whole life choice, yeah. you know, spectrum was based on that. But yeah, like jumping off cliffs and, you know, skydiving, whatever things like that. It's like oh, I find myself opting out of things like that where there is risk involved, I guess the ability to assess that has been restored or established now.
0: Uh, you know, you keep on pulling stuff out of me when when you're saying something, uh, you you know, you're now um, uh, actually know what your risk aversions are, right? And Right. Uh, and uh, uh, I have this model, uh, the video game model of living my life, right? It's like the three things that are important to me are life, health, and time. So one, I'm not going to put my life uh, at, uh, uh, at risk, you know, um, yeah, I'm, I'm okay to go uh, bungee jumping. I'm okay to, to go skydiving because those are calculated risks, you know, but I am not going to overtake a guy in anger with an obvious gun rack at the park <laughs> <of this> truck. <laughs> right, right,
2: yeah. <laughs> you know? So
0: yeah. not, not put your life, uh, uh, necessarily at risk. And, uh, so this life and then this health, right? You, it's like Pac-Man, you eat all of those cherries and things, you know, even if they taste bad for you, if it's good for you, then you take them because, you know, uh, your you your, the, the quality of your health determines the quality of your life, right? And then, um, uh, what, what, what uses it to be, you know, in pain all the time and have all the money in the world, right? And then, uh, time, uh, is actually, uh, you know, it's the only thing that you have, right? So you you have to pay attention as to where you put your attention to in time, right? If you're watching porn, you know, 60% of the day, then that's where you're spending your time, you know? And if you're, um, uh, you know, if you're uh, essentially if you, you, you if someone is actually always telling you what to do, then you're actually uh, doing his time, doing your time under his time, right? So, um, so for me, it's like, uh, if you don't do all these things, it will be game over. Right, so uh, you do all these things so that you actually don't go game over way too early, and right? so and it's the only a currency that we have really is a is a time and our use of it, right? We yeah. so I
1: mean it's maybe other than the body, the only thing that you can truly own, right? I yeah. mean you can't really metaphysically own anything yeah. except. How you choose it's to spend each time. second, right?
0: Yeah, and you um, know, on a practical level, uh, you know, since uh, we're talking about the health optimization here, um, I have uh, patients. Uh, these are not these are actually sick people, uh, not clients who are healthy. I have patients who uh, I I tell them to do, um, you know, uh, an eight-hour feeding window, you know, and before I suggest that, I tell them, I ask them whether or not they could change their diet. And of course they can't, right? Because the hardest thing to do is to change your diet. So I said, okay, if you cannot control what you eat, can you control the time that you eat it? Oh, that's easy for me. So if you present it that way, it's like, yeah, I can control my time. You know, I can limit my eating in 12 hours. Okay. You know, uh, if you can limit for 12 hours and let's start with that. And then, then you limit it for 10 uh, to 10 hours of eating and then. You know, eight hours of eating, and then you you stay there, and they see the developments in themselves. So that's the value of being able to uh, take a look at where you know, even even in the habits that you have, you know, where in time do you spend them in the day, right? So. Um, you know, you, you, can get into nutritional ketosis when you wake up because you, ha- you haven't eaten for, you know, the eight hours of your sleep. And then you extend that to say to noon, you know, and then you're 16 hours fasted and then your mitochondria is regenerating fine and your, uh, autophagy systems are doing well. Uh, one of the things that I learned, uh, in practice is that it's very hard to tell patients to remember things. So I want everything complete within the day. They know when they're going to eat. You know they know that when they go to stop eating during the day so it's a daily schedule they know uh, when they stop eating and they know when they can sleep right so it, it's like and that's basically um, controlling the flow of your time right I'm not telling them to to be militaristic and say you know you know uh, as I used to be when I was college you know 701 to 702 wash face seven <laughs> you know, that's that's a, that's a uh, obsessive- compulsive way of doing it um, but, uh, you could see how, uh, you know, looking at what you value, which is one, one of the, uh, things that you said earlier, determines how you spend your time. Uh, if you wake up in the morning and you meditate, then you're actually valuing your energy self, right? You're, you're valuing, you're valuing your equanimity, you're valuing, it's important to you to start your day in equanimity, for example, um, uh. And then, you, you know, you, you, you go out and spend your day in the sun, you hydrate yourself, etc. So it shows you, uh, just looking at where you spend your time, shows you what you value in your life, right? So for, for people who have kids, you know, they spend time with their kids and, um, and so on, it shows their where they value, where they value in their lives. But sometimes they go overboard, right? And I tell people with kids that, you know, um, Hey, you know, you have to take care of yourself first. It's like. The oxygen mask in an airplane you got to put your oxygen mask on first before you could put in a child it's like the same thing with your health you have to take care of yourself first otherwise no one will be left to actually take care of your kids if you don't care of yourself yeah or yeah. like
1: a like a emt you know yeah. you, you train to save yourself first yeah you know it seems selfish on its yeah. face but yeah. when you really look that's, into it it's that's why
0: really i say you know um Being healthy requires a little bit of selfishness because you have to be healthy first, right? Yeah. Um, And I like this specialty that I started, health immunization, because I have to walk the talk, right? So I have to be healthy myself.
1: I can't yeah. I can't believe you're 60, dude. Yeah, honestly. Well, I mean, not only just the way you look, but your energy and vitality is is very obviously robust.
0: Oh, well, thank you. Look, yeah. thank you, look. There's a pill for that. I'm kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> there there are a few. A few. Hey, yeah. I I want to ask you, Ted, um, because I mean, I don't know. I feel like we could do like 10 hour podcast blocks. <laughs> honestly, there's like so much to talk about. But People always ask me when my tongue's blue. Uh-huh. Like, what does methylene blue do? And I just go, ah, oh, just energy, focus, mitochondria. You know, I kind of just throw things out.
2: Yeah. But it's
1: it's such a it's such a unique molecule, and it does so many things that it's like I feel like you could study for years and never really get to all of its uh, benefits. And I find it also so interesting because it's a pharmaceutical, and most pharmaceuticals are are kind of single faceted you yeah. know they they're yeah. kind of they're very targeted they're isolated they don't do a lot of different things and right. they also come with uh with side effects yeah. and methylene blue with the exception of you know mega doses of it that might have some uh, side effects it only seems to have benefits so in relation to brain health how yeah. does uh, how I'll, does methylene blue work yeah
0: let 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 me uh so um I, I told you earlier I reclassified our nootropics. Right? First you're health optimizing nootropics, yeah. right? And then you go to performance optimizing nootropics, where you're not necessarily health healthy, but you want to push something. And then there's a class that I call blue tropics. Not because my products are blue, but really because the exemplar of the class is methylene blue. So methylene blue uh does basic cell health optimization. It's able to donate electrons in the electron transport chain, and therefore you could pr- produce more brain energy. That's why there's a brightening experience when you is it, do that.
1: It it, it? it seems to have both pro-oxidant and antioxidant potential. Is that is that true? And if so, is that unique to this, or are there other um, things? That...
0: It's because it's uh, either um, uh, it can be in a reduced form. The reduced form is actually colorless. Ah, right? okay, okay. So, um, but. In order to do that action, it has to be uh, either uh, not reduced or, and then it moves to its reduced form. And then it's, it's, it's just like any other redox reaction, right? It accepts an electron, it donates an electron, uh, and then it accepts an electron. So uh, 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 essentially, what it does uh, there is it adds electrons to your electron transport chain. Um, it's, uh, so it's a brain health, uh, basically, it's a basic cell health optimizer. It's only good, not only for the brain, but for the rest of the body, because, you know, it's not distributed just to the brain, but to the rest of your body. So it's also uh, a neuronal health optimizer. Um, It's because the neuronal health optimizer will be, it's uh, at low levels, it will um, actually serve as an MAO A inhibitor, meaning it will inhibit your liver and raise your uh, dopamine serotonin and norepinephrine
1: so it's right? like a natural yeah. antidepressant yeah. effect
0: yeah natural antidepressant effect and then very good and um the uh, when you give it a higher dose it will have maob inhib- inhibition and it will prevent the degradation of phenethylamines like those found in your chocolate uh and dopamine so you know you you become more high uh, with with higher doses of it so uh, after that there's a neural network um, it optimizes your neural network it raises the brain derived neurotropic factor uh, BDnF so we know that uh, just as a side comment because we we didn't touch on it er- er- earlier so in in neural net in neural network it raises the low do- even microdoses of uh, uh, LSD for example will raise your BDnF right methylene blue will raise your BDnF um, uh, ketamine will promote spinogenesis, meaning it um, forms new connections within six hours of taking ketamine. Right? Wow. Yeah. Uh, LSD is within eight hours. You'll form new connections in the brain.
1: Even in, um, a, in a microdose. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and uh, uh, DMT will promote the growth of new neurons in the hippocampus of the brain. So these are all you know um uh, you you could see that methylene blue is also in the same class because it raises the brain derived neurotrophic factor dmt is actually known to produce neurogenesis right Uh, which is a more difficult feat to do because you're basically inducing the stem cells say here grow more neurons Is
1: is that true of endogenous dimethyltryptamine say you're Uh, doing breath work and yogic exercises and you're you're exciting the pineal gland and that whole cascade of neurotransmitters to end up with natural dmt in your system
0: yeah my sense is that it's too low Mm. right you have to provide a higher uh exogenous source in order to actually push it to the neurogenetic pathway um but i'm not sure i'm just guessing Okay. Right? because the studies have been to produce, to give iv dmt right <laughs> <laughs> i've I've heard about that <laughs> so that's, that's um, methylene blue also does all of that that this uh this uh, classic uh psychedelics do um uh you know uh, mdma works by a different pathway so um uh M- M- mdma actually works by rewiring your brain in a process called neuroplasticity Oh,
1: is this why MDMA therapy seems to be so effective? Oh yeah,
0: Um, they came out with the results of the phase three clinical trials, and it's it's on track to becoming a drug. You have to do it concomitant with psychotherapy, right? Right, and um, and they have really great results um, in that. Um, So, uh, but what it does, MDMA is actually raises three of your neurotransmitters: your serotonin, your dopamine, and your uh norepinephrine levels right but it has to be coupled with uh psychotherapy for ptsd right go so that's go- that's what it's going to be approved for as i said you know it's going to be disease based for for these things so um so uh methane blue basic cell health optimizer neuronal optimizer neural network optimizer you know uh and then uh there is a, a brain health optimizer so um essentially with uh Uh, if you do low level light therapy or you, you, uh, expose yourself to sunlight, right? Then it activates the mitochondria in the brain, right? And it actually is neuroprotective. It protects, the uh, the brain from, uh, from damage. And it's also a brain performance optimizer because it has been shown to actually enhance memory. So, uh, aside from, uh, the, the main part that it enhances cognitively is your uh, recall, right? So uh, those are, that's why methylene blue is what I call a blue tropic. It's an exemplar of the class. It does everything, right? From basic cells all the way to the brain, to all the way to the performance uh, uh, of the brain. So what I did with uh, blue canotene is create what I call a blue tropic stack, right? So now you want more uh, motivational engagement, for example. So there's a little bit more nicotine in there and a bigger working memory. So. Um, you, you know, I was, uh, envious of actually that limitless pill, right? That's why I w- I wanted like, what can do this for me? So I, um, you can stack all of this and you can have what's called a blue tropic stack, and that's how I classify nootropics now. So, um, you know, health optimizing nootropic that's really needed by your body, not just your brain. And then there's a performance optimizing nootropic for your fitness to perform a task, like to memorize something you know, or to think about something or to have an insight about something, you know, uh, what is it good for? Um, and then there is, uh, uh, and then there is a, uh, uh, the blue tropic stack, which, uh, which is both a health optimizing nootropic or an HON, right, and a performance optimizing nootropic. Now, what we didn't uh, touch on, um, really, is that in the brain, um, w- when, when you're looking at uh, brain health optimization, right, and um, you're looking at uh, the EEG to test the brain, right? When you meditate, I know you're a meditator. When you meditate, it has been shown, right, that the um, uh, the frontal uh, theta waves and the uh, parietal gamma waves actually oscillate, right? They oscillate. And that's uh, just increased power in both. And it's just found in February. There's a paper, uh, February 2021, um, that showed that it's actually uh, used by the brain for spatial memory, for for memory, for in terms of your location in space, so on. But then there's a study like bo- more than a decade before that shows that ketamine actually modulates this theta uh, uh, and a gamma oscillation. So I'm not saying people, you know, to to take ketamine instead of me- uh, meditating, but <laughs> but uh, it, so, it, it, it does it does the same thing, right?
1: We're going to take a quick break to share with you one of the most unique and effective products in my health arsenal. It's also one that I've been using for a very long time, over the past decade at least. It's called Oceans Alive from Activation Products. It's a premium brand of two specially cultivated, hand-selected marine phytoplankton strains grown in a photobioreactor. The nutrient density of this microalgae is insane. It's loaded with a wide array of vitamins, minerals, essential fatty acids, and amino acids. Oceans Alive is the purest, most potent marine phytoplankton supplement in the world. It's fresh, totally raw, and pure. They use a scientifically proven natural method of stabilization that doesn't require any heat, cold, freeze drying, or any processing at all. My experience with Oceans Alive is a very noticeable feeling of untapped energy and focus. It's naturally packed with nutrients that boost your health in a multitude of ways. Its natural antioxidant content reduces oxidative stress, which is why this is my number one air travel companion. It also promotes healthy cellular growth and development and also boosts cognitive function. Activation Products has been one of my go-to companies for a very long time. They have a no BS approach and are all about giving people definitive information, the best quality raw material, then letting you decide for yourself. They just provide you with the knowledge and the most innovative products so you can take the lead in creating your own life equity and longevity. You can swoop up some of this oceans alive over at activationproducts.com and use the code LUKE15 for 15% off any product that's activationproducts.com that's activationproducts.com and the code Luke is a one time use so use it wisely we were talking about ketamine uh, and we when we're talking about ketamine we're not talking about like going to a rave and partying you know and god bless people that that choose that path but with with a more intentional purpose whether it be uh, therapist assisted uh, ketamine, you know, journeys and things like that, or even just um, lower dose meditations and things like that. That I've used it for, I find that one to be as equally bizarre as methylene blue, and the fact that it just does so much, <laughs> yeah. And that it's a pharmaceutical, because yeah. I, I, you know, I'm of the mind like pharmaceuticals well, are always like. Last resort for anything, but ketamine seems very safe if done responsibly.
0: You know why it's safe, right? For me, uh, as a physician, I find it safe because uh, it doesn't uh, depress your respiration. Uh, okay. That's why it's used in battlefield surgeries, right? It doesn't depress your respiration.
1: And for, uh, you know, animals, small animals, and kids and and things, right?
0: Um, I had my tonsillectomy done when I was already in third year medical school. And uh, you know that general anesthesia will actually fuck up your memory, right? So I am a doctor, I was becoming a doctor, and I didn't want to have a fucked up memory. And they've shown that GA can actually fuck up your memory for up to five years. Oh, wow. None of that. So I had uh, actually ketamine infusion, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you open your mouth and there's this huge stroke car coming into your your mouth and you could see everything oh yeah my but that's it's why it's called a twilight anesthetic, right you're you're right. just in twilight but right the interesting part of it um, the new study that they did actually in the k-hole right it, it, it's a um the ego dissolution that you feel in a k-hole where you just have to yield and say okay i am out right and you're observing but you're out Um, so, um, what's happening there, they found out, uh, just recently, I, I, this year is that the cerebral cortex actually stops firing for a few minutes and you're in the K hall. It's just beautiful silence, right? It's just beautiful silence in there before it starts firing again. But then they also found that the alternate, the oscillating firing between the theta and gamma waves is the one that produces the dissociation.
1: Oh, interesting. So, yeah, yeah. That's that's so strange. And we were talking about this and 5-MeO-DMT last night, but it it's so strange, I think, with those two compounds in particular because in the depth of the experience, and I was telling you about uh, 5-MeO with this, that I've had a, a few times where I felt like if I didn't exert a small amount of effort to keep breathing that I would have just left the body, you know? <laughs> it's like, some someone's got to breathe me over here because I'm not here anymore, yeah, kind of, you yeah. know, sense. And you said, no, that actually won't happen. Otherwise, you know, everyone yeah, would does,
0: be- Yeah, it doesn't- de- everyone, it de-
1: that, everyone would be yeah. dying all the time yeah. on it and it would be a really big fiasco, but- It won't um,
0: depress your respiratory center. That's so strange. It, it will kick
1: in. Versus like an opiate or something, Oh, an opiate right?
0: will definitely uh, cause respiratory depression. Right, that's so someone
1: might right? take heroin and hit that- twilight experience and dissolution and disassociation, but their heart actually, yes, or their slow breathing slow, will yeah, stop, yeah, and yeah. and, stop and thus
0: heart stop. And that's the, that's the issue with that, right? And that's why I am, um, the, the safety for, for example, for ketamine and uh, for these classic psychedelics, uh, the safety uh, uh, for them is really very high you know, um, because A, no one gets addicted to classic psychedelics. <laughs> if any, you should have a healthy fear of them as I do. Oh my
1: God. Right? I um, sure do.
0: Remember, I have a way of, of, of making, uh, ayahuasca gentle, right? Yeah. I have my, my And pharma, someday, damn know, it. I'm, I'm going to join yeah. you in that. Um, and, uh, and for me, it's like, there's this fear that you're even going to take it, right? But, uh, you, you feel this calling, but there's a healthy fear. So there's really no, um no uh, danger at all that you're going to get um, addicted to it. And second is that you're not going to get any respiratory depression from it. In fact, my worry more is that in the traditional uh, I know that people would like to preserve the traditional ways of doing things. Right. Right. Like, uh, for example, the actual ayahuasca where you have the dieta and you throw up and so on, is that if this is done in the forest, etc., you can actually choke. Right. Uh, You can you can um, uh, you can have all of these, uh, accidents that can, that can happen. Um, so for me, it's like, is there a more gentle way of doing this, uh, because I found out from my, um, you know, uh, from my, um, uh, genetic testing that, um, you know, I could not, um, metabolize the MAO inhibitor that in, 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 uh, uh copy. So, um, in fact. If you really want to kill me, Luke, you can just give me a bottle of, of, um, of, uh, proton pump inhibitor, like Zantac, I will be dead <laughs> Yeah, because I could not normalize wow. uh, wow. the, uh, um, uh, my liver, uh, does not have the enzymatic capacity to detoxify it. And with, uh, classic Beniceroopsis copy vine, uh, which is a liver, liver inhibitor, you know, I couldn't, metabol- that's, that's the reason why I was throwing up. Uh, So badly the first time I took it, but it was such a, you know, that it's a significant experience, but it's just like, you know, is there any way to make this experience, you know, uh, uh, more acceptable in terms of the body wear and tear because, so you could bring back something significant from the journey,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think that's a, a good point. You know, there's a balance of the traditional wisdom, the ancient wisdoms, right? The wisdom carriers, the shaman, the facilitators throughout time that have done things in a certain way.
2: Yeah.
1: And, And I know that there's value in that because in the spirit realm, you know, a lot of things can't be explained. So perhaps there is Uh, Some purpose to taking the ayahuasca vine with the DMT-containing plant, and and having that whole experience. You know, the purge. Who knows? Maybe demons are being purged out of you through throwing up. I mean, I've heard some people next to me, and I'm like, that's more than throwing up. That's the exorcist. You know what I mean? (laughs) So there's something to that. But, but
0: I I thought purging meant divorce.
1: (laughs) 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 At times it can. But that said, I mean, I think the intention of people that are having these experiences. Uh, with the exception of people that are maybe trying to escape or just have a good time or something, which I would not advise you take these types of uh, substances to do that. It's probably going to be a nightmare if you do, but um, which I've experienced earlier in life. But I think we're all seeking to have a deeper relationship with consciousness. There's Mm -hmm. there's something within our spiritual will that that wants to go back to the mothership, so to speak, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, we're here in the earth plane and we're in a material world in our body and it's linear. And yet some of us are drawn to what's beyond that. And we want to have those experiences. And I think what's exciting, but also people might want to be mindful about is that now this is becoming more acceptable, you know, culturally. I mean, we wouldn't have even talking about this on a microphone 10 years ago, you know, medical licenses or someone's reputation and, Um, And also the risk of influencing people to be reckless when they do have these experiences, you know? So it's an interesting time because you have the ancient wisdom, but then you have innovation, like Mm. what you're describing. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, we can take DMT without having to have that purgatory effect, yet still come away with things that heal us emotionally and physically and connect us spiritually into one another. So. It's a really interesting time in that way.
0: Always very eloquent when you say things that way. I'm a little, you know, me, I'm always like the blunt type. <laughs> of that because uh, I, I got stuck once uh, uh, when I was asked, you know, so how do you include um, uh, spiritual health in health optimization, medicine, and practice? Well, I said, uh, you know, um, uh, Lack of spirituality is called the DMT (laughs) deficiency (laughs) syndrome. That's that's good. That's good. You know, just give them DMT and let them begin their spiritual journey. Right? You know what?
1: What what I've called DMT, uh, particularly 5-MEO, is I call it, the cure for atheism. <laughs> <laughs> it's like i don't know how you could walk away from that and be like nope this is all there is yeah you know yeah, i mean yeah. it's just it's it's just next level uh on that note we were chatting a little last night about 5meo mm-hmm. and i was telling you how i, I felt at mm-hmm. times like i could stop breathing right now like am i gonna die you know not and not in a fearful way but just out of curiosity mm-hmm being still in a body and having a subtle awareness that your consciousness is still inhabiting and animating this body, but you're barely tethered to the body, mm-hmm. if at all, for moments. And then that fear comes in of like, oh boy, I better get back in the body because yeah. I'm not that's, ready to leave. That's right. The,
0: that's the ego restarting.
1: I have yeah, I have work yeah. to do here. Yeah. Um what is actually happening in the brain and maybe, uh, yeah, sure. uh, you know, neurochemistry, but also um, brain waves in yeah. a 5-MeO experience.
0: M- I, I have not seen, for example, the brain waves, uh, but uh, there are uh, fMRI studies, the blood oxygen level um, um, uh, studies of the BOLD studies that are done in fMRI to see where the blood is actually flowing. Right. So we know. So
1: someone's taking 5MeO and going in a, and a tube. Yeah, oh a my gosh. I guess you wouldn't really care, actually, because yeah. you're kind of not there yeah, anyway. Not there. But yeah. yeah.
0: And uh, what it does is that it significantly decreases the blood flow to the default mode network, meaning it actually, um, for lack of a uh, more shocking word, actually kills the circuit a, for, for the, a short period of time, like totally quiet. So no active, no electrical activity, and so on. Wow. And then it and then it and then your your, uh, you know, uh, and then you get out of the no, no, no. You know, you feel the fear again because the yeah. ego is coming up again. Yes, circuit is coming up again. Yes, y- y-
1: absolutely y- true. And I've observed quite a few people as a, just a witness in those experiences, yeah. and it's really interesting to see that some folks are able to just completely surrender through Mm -hmm. the whole experience. You know, maybe it's a 20 to 30 minute whole thing and three, four, five minutes of the depth of the experience. Mm -hmm. They take the the hit, lay back, and they just have a smile on their face and they're just totally surrendered. And other people take the same dose and they're like, fuck this, what's happening? And they totally freak out. (laughs) And it's so interesting to observe You can really see the ego, you know, fighting, fighting and grasping for its sense of identity, right? And I had an experience um, last December Mm -hmm. uh, where, because the first time that I had 5MEO, I was very surrendered into it. It was extremely intense, but there was nothing that arose within me that was fighting and grasping and hanging on. Mm -hmm. The second time I did it, I had a complete ego. I want to say ego death, but an ego reawakening after the depth of the initial experience during which the witness observer was not even present. It was just pure consciousness, just absolute oneness. Mm-hmm. Then as I started the I, the ego started to reemerge mm-hmm. and have an awareness that something was happening, it then put up this massive wall of resistance and was like, make this stop. I'm out. I stood up. I was like, make it stop. And it was kind of a bad trip with it within what ended up being a really beautiful mm-hmm. and enlightening experience. And it took me a couple weeks of integration to ascertain what might have happened. And what it seemed like happened was there was a total dissolution of the self and mm-hmm. that default mode network. And I was surrendered into that and just breathing and just in pure consciousness. And then as the ego started to become aware of what had just happened, it put up a fight. But what's so funny and it's so, I think it's such a great um, example of kind of the the lack of innate wisdom in the ego structure. It came up and fought, but it didn't realize it was already gone. You see what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it was mad about what I already just did, Not what was about to happen because I was re-emerging and coming back into normalcy, right? That's classic. So it kind of came in like retroactively and two weeks later I'm like, wait, ego, you came in and put up resistance but it was too late. You were already out of the picture for a good three minutes, you know?
0: But that's exactly what it does, right? What do they say in in, uh, classic meditation teachings? You always basically either dwell in the past or in the future but never in the present. So that's what that's what the ego does, right? So even if it's already passed, it still, it's still actually, <laughs> yeah. you know, hits you for what you did in the past.
2: Yeah, it,
1: it was like, it was late, you know? I'm like, you already missed it. Yeah, We already separated from you and we were in consciousness. You can relax now. But then, you know, the beautiful thing is, is in subsequent experiences with that medicine... <sighs> I've built a working relationship, I guess you could say, with that ego Mm -hmm. identity, with that structure. And so there's more of a a unification between it and I, the Mm -hmm. self with the capital S. So it's like going into the experiences, even when it gets a little wonky, there's this sort of razor's edge I've been able to find where I keep the ego at bay and and communicate to it in a sense that it's safe
0: mm-hmm. and yeah, that it can that's relax. A, that's the a key part. That It can relax yeah, and then and then both to, of
1: us can actually have this incredibly healing experience. Yeah, you have to keep it safe, right? You have to make yeah.
0: it uh basically feel uh the word I like to, to to say is you have to make it feel secure. Right. Right? Because right. it's the insecurity that drives it. Right. Right? What drives you to, you know, you already have everything in the world? And you still want more and more and more, right? What drives you to, well, you already have everything in the world and say, I want more profit and therefore I'm going to pollute the waters. I'm going to, you know, I use child labor. I'm going to traffic humans and so on and so forth. That's the ego, right? It's never, nothing is ever enough for it, Right.
1: It's abject insecurity. Yeah. It's just
0: the, the full insecurity. And then, uh, what happens when, um, you know, uh, I want to be remembered forever. (laughs) right it's <laughs> yeah, also yeah. the insecurity yeah. of being impermanent for say one of the meditations uh, that you do all right is on meditate on impermanence of things everything is just you know uh, impermanent and goes into cycles and but it doesn't like that it noticed that when you were younger if you got if you found something good you wanted to make it permanent right but you realize that no, you know it goes in the cycle. you can't make you can make something permanent you know uh, just because it's uh, the, you, you find that it's good. so that's what that's what it does is that it it tries to re- reassure uh, you know at, at my age, I have many patients who want to leave a legacy one way or the other, right And I tell them, well, you have to reassess you know uh, exactly the, are you wanting to leave a legacy or are you going to motivate yourself? To allow your values to be revealed in the world, instead, right? Uh, I, I myself had that kind of uh, in-depth look at what I really wanted to uh, reveal in the world. Is I am concerned about health. I'm because it's the one thing that makes people suffer less, right? If you're healthy. You suffer less the people around you suffer less and therefore you tend to make healthier decisions even for the planet right yeah. So yeah not only for other people but for other creatures the thing is we've become so uh and this is my lamentation look we've become so human-centric right everything is just about humans that we are not looking at we are just one species here we're not uh we're probably um, not the most important one, just the most pernicious one. Right? <laughs> uh, um, That's funny. And, and then there's, there's, you know, there, there are all these uh, our environment. You know, I th- what
1: is what's the most important? I think it might be phytoplankton or bees. <laughs> Those might be well, my top two.
0: Um, You might be right about (laughs) the phytoplanktons or the phytoplanktons because they could they could uh, generate uh, energy from sunlight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. uh, Just as a tangent here, one of the things before uh, that I was thinking is like, you know, I really think that moving for the sake of finding food is a waste of time. Can I put in some chlorophyll in my system, harvest sunlight and produce energy? (laughs) You know? Totally,
1: I mean, um, they say they are breatharians that that nailed that the sun gazing and the breath. I, you know, you hear about them, but you'd need to follow them around twenty four seven for a couple <laughs> years yeah. to make sure they're not sneaking their candy bars, some sardines here and there. You know, I remember back in the early days in in kind of the vegan raw food community, yeah, there yeah. would be these figures that were supposedly breatharians, and I don't and I don't disbelieve that. I mean, in the quantum realm, like energy is energy, right? So. Yeah. I think one could develop that ability. I just I think it would be a very exceptional person that could do that, you know, but
0: oh, oh, I just received a cartoon actually that um that reflects that it's like if Jesus Christ actually uh uh multiplied the the, the loaves into five thousand and fed it to the multitude, the multitude would say, Is that gluten free? <laughs> <laughs>
2: You know, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: or the wine, they'd then, be like, "What's the sulfite level of this wine, sir?" <laughs> but
0: but uh, anyway, it, it was so it was uh, just so funny uh, how you know how we have made it as complex as we have today. Yeah, right, in terms of the way we live our lives and so on. And so I always like to go back to first principles. You know, um, uh, first principles of health. Uh, you know, first principles of performance. Uh, first principles of uh, how you combine the two. Um, how and um, based on our many conversations, Luke, uh, uh, especially our off uh, uh, camera conversations, is that how do we include uh, spiritual health optimization, you know, into uh, everyone's lives? Right. How how do we um, how do we make sure that they feel not only included? But they have a certain a sense of responsibility to an organic spaceship called Earth that's only one that's hurtling through space. And it's the only one we've got for now, right? So, so uh, when we look at things that way, all our petty problems are really, really petty. They become so insignificant when we take a look at us as a whole, right? Not just humanity, but the world as a whole.
1: Yeah, as w- as one fluid moving organism, yeah, right? Yeah. The whole thing. I think that's such an error in humankind's perspective: this dominionistic yeah, relationship yeah, yeah. with this living being that we call Earth. That we're separate from it; therefore, separate from one another, separate from yeah. the environment. And uh, one of the most beautiful, I think, experiences and lessons that I ever had was uh, one day actually in a psilocybin journey out in nature. And it sounds trite, you know, it doesn't, when you, when you describe your, in, these processes and in, these experiences and integration, they always sound like kind of flat, but in yeah. the moment, you know, when you have the realization, yeah. you're like, oh my God, the key to life. Uh, but. Well,
0: it's because there's one thing that actually uh, captures that, right? these things are experiential. Right. right, you can you can translate it to words all you want, but it will always fall flat because it needs to get experienced. Yes, right.
1: So the the yes, absolutely, and like any powerful spiritual realization, words fall very short yeah. because there's no way to convey or transmit the felt experience. But what what the experience was, despite it sounding like obvious or trite, perhaps, was uh, such a profound knowing mm-hmm. that cuz i was out in nature and i was like wow god it feels really good to be out in nature and you know the voice mm-hmm. kind of spoke to me and said you are nature and everything changed in that moment my whole relationship to the planet the the living beings on it was just completely altered forever i I've, i felt like i was part of the fabric of the material world that's kind of held in suspension here by this invisible hand of God, right? It's like, I don't feel from that moment forward that I'm separate from the frog, the creek, the sky, the, the other people, mm-hmm. right? Even those people I disagree with, looking someone in the eyes and having a conversation and the intellect going like, I disagree with everything you're saying right now, yet being able to subjugate that and see past that and go, oh, I'm actually looking at myself right now. Yeah, I'm looking at myself and how much compassion can I generate for this person that I don't like or disagree with because I'm actually just really uh, cultivating compassion for myself because I am them. You know, that kind of, that kind of experience again is like, it's hard to describe. It sounds like airy fairy and kind of, you know, fluffy unicorns and rainbows, but to actually integrate that and cultivate that and, and have that experience grow within me has been a huge gift.
0: You know, um, um, I have a, I have a, very, um, model, you know, we have model making brains and I like to put in models in my head on, you know, that when I look at it, I visually understand it inside my head. And I was trying to conceptualize this, this whole thing and concepts are the worst things when it comes to this, right? Because you can't express them in concepts. But I said, you know, I'm looking, initially I was looking at myself as this character in a holodeck, right? and everything is made up of the same voxel. We are all the same, right? Made up of the same voxel, everything is moving around. And then I realized, no, I'm actually the holodeck that contains me and everything else in it. So, so, so then you begin to see that that's consciousness, right? That's consciousness. Everything that's appearing in there is you, right? Including the way you look at yourself and this body that you have and so on and so forth. It's just all of those are appearing in consciousness. So that switch from being the character in the holodeck to being the holodeck itself, right? And that you're made up of you're all made up of these fucking voxels, the same thing, the same energy, same everything yeah, else. Yeah. Then you you shift uh immediately and say, okay, you know, that's
1: that's <laughs> uh, that's great. That's great. That's kind of like um you know if you think about the center of the universe, yeah, right? Yeah. The center of the universe seems to be generated from whatever point you are in it, mm-hmm. right? Because there is no like center of the universe over there. The center of the universe is dictated by the observer of said universe, therefore I am in the center of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's wild.
0: Yeah. Um, th- there is uh, also another thing that you mentioned that actually triggered something in me. Uh, remember I was raised Catholic. Right? So oh, right, you, you, right. Pray, you pray to a God, right? And the God is external and, uh, and so on. And it, with the uh, pharmawaska journey that I did, you know, um, uh, you know, for two years, right? Uh, regularly, every two months I was taking my pharmawaska. Well, wow. Those of my own medicine, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And um, it is actually interesting that one of the key lessons that emerged there is that, no, you're not a supplicant. Uh, you, uh, the first instance I was this person looking up, you know, asking the heavens for whatever I needed. Right. And after the journey, you are the creator looking down and saying, this is what you want to make happen. Right. So from supplicant to creator is one of those major switches that, um, the, uh, uh, was journey or the the uh, DMT journey has done for me is that you know we are basically creating things all the time, right? We're co-creating things all the time, and so we're not separate from our environment. You know, uh, our environment is making us just as we're making our environment.
1: Wow! Right? Yeah, so, yeah.
0: So that's why there's no boundary, there's no difference, right, uh, uh, between us and others and us and our environment. And your your the term is like that old um uh concept that we have of dominating
2: nature. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know,
0: it's that's a very old one. And it's very hard to to take up because our our educational system is that way, right? We are separate and we uh, our role is actually to control and dominate nature. That's how I grew up too. And then you realize like no 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 you are you know you are nature itself. So you flow with it. Right? and then now you begin to understand you know the Iching and you know uh uh the, the and the and the Tao teaching and all of these other Chinese uh, uh systems where they always take a look at how energy flows right uh, for yeah. example I Ching as yeah. a divinatory system we'll see you know with the rise and fall of cycles you know if you if you take a look at just as the basic philosophy of how the that oracle is made um I Ching is basically you know, you, you flow like water, uh, that Tao Te Ching is basically, you know, you flow like water. So you see the, the energy is like, no, you're, you are actually part of that whole process. You know, you are, um, what is it that Rumi said? You are the ocean in a, you, you're the drop in the ocean and the ocean in a drop, right? That's, mm. that's, uh, that's what, uh, Rumi <laughs> said. So, <laughs> you know, and that's, those things are really very hard to communicate, right? Uh, because it's an experience. Uh, the the best that we have are these kinds of sayings. And it's very hard to understand if you haven't had experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow, dude. (laughs) Yeah. What a great conversation. (laughs) Thank you.
2: Oh, always a pleasure. Yeah,
1: every time we chat, I just like expanded consciousness, awareness, learning, intellectual understanding, felt energetics that are beautiful. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for coming on the show.
0: Oh, Luke, you know, it's always my pleasure. Yeah. Um, um, and uh, for your um, uh, the people who are following you, you know, Luke has been gracious enough to actually try all of my um, various experiments and things. After I've experimented it on myself, but, you know, I'm actually grateful that he's uh, giving me the all this feedback.
1: I love it. I love it. No, that was, that was fun this morning, actually, getting to kind of like, hmm let me see if I can unravel the mystery of this one, you know, just really out of curiosity, not that it matters, but it's just, yeah, it, when you, you know, it, it's difficult to not have one experience like with one molecule. And then when you do something else, you want to, the mind wants to find a correlation, right? Cause it yeah. wants to kind of make sense of it somehow, but yeah, yeah, I love your curiosity and, um, you know, you have the intellectual prowess and the understanding of you know, uh, chemistry and things like this to actually be able to do things safely and effectively and, you know, move us forward because what we're, I think, describing here today in terms of expansion, right? It's expansion. It's expanding consciousness and awareness and intelligence and intuition and memory and all of this stuff that kind of is, is within consciousness, but the brain is it seems to be needed to do a lot of it, right? So it's like, you know, the brain's kind of this transmitter-receiver thing that's helping us to interface with consciousness, and there's ways that you can up-level that and improve um, it. uh,
0: Actually, uh, uh, two things. One is we should consider uh, us as an entire instrument, right? So we don't have this uh, uh, picture of a disembodied brain. So the brain is actually housed within you know um uh, us and it's part of us uh and so on and it's a uh, uh, necessary uh, it's necessary right because with the, you know uh, uh essentially consciousness is what we all all we have in order to experience anything right it's all we have our appearances in the internal sensors external sensors uh they, like your eyes and and so on they all appear within the context of consciousness so without that you know we basically don't experience anything in life, right? Because it's, it's what's uh, available. And so for me, um, uh, the mission that I have uh, stated is to democratize enlightenment, right? Um, because what is um, uh, preventing us from actually becoming that consciousness itself or becoming the holodeck itself, right? Becoming the consciousness is that The ego actually prevents us from doing that. What if we can assure it that it's already secure and, you know, its survival is assured, et cetera, et cetera. You know, is it possible for us to be able to decrease suffering that way? Because it's the ego that suffers. And what I say, uh, when, when, when I'm actually teaching this is that if there's a who, then there's an ego, you know, if there's a who that's suffering, then that's the ego, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. um, and. It's, it's the one that, that uh, is doing the suffering. so how can we decrease the suffering because for me that's the root fractal right of everything else that we do. So if you decrease the suffering, then all the suffering uh, uh, all the other suffering in your life would decrease right And, and for me it's uh, and suffering for me is simply defined as that clinging and aversion of the ego right And you're not even noticing it right that you have the clinging and aversion. What if you can observe that clinging and aversion right? So so now, um, um, as I said, we go back to the beginning now of of, uh, 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 our talk here is uh, that, uh, you know, enlightenment is the freedom from the illusion of the self. So when you are free from the illusion of the self, that is just a process in there that's happening. There's no true identity. Then you are able to become nature itself. You are able to become consciousness itself, right? And watch everything arise. And the important thing for meditators out there, even attention is, comes in, is an arising from the consciousness. That's why that's a role is, you know, to focus on one thing to the other. That's why you anchor it on a breath or you anchor it on a mantra, you anchor it because you have to cook it somewhere in order to keep (laughs) behaving, right? (laughs) Right, right. right. It's it's, like like tying up a dog. Yeah. Yeah. it's not, it's, it, you know, that's not the ego that you're tying, you're tying attention, right? mm. you're tying attention to something for you to be able to see that it's just another arising in consciousness, right? So, uh, and, and that's how I, I say that, um, uh, the, the, our company mission is smarter, not harder, uh, we, the makers of prescription is you know, to decrease suffering in ourselves and to decrease suffering in others, knowing that there is no other.
1: Damn, son! Mic drop! Boom! <laughs> it's a great closer. Yeah. Who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced you, Ted? That you might share with us? Old or new? Any? What comes to mind? First thing comes to mind. Oh. Teachers or teachings, a concept, a principle, uh, a person, a book. Um, oh. Um, a philosophy.
0: Um, I'm 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 more in into. Uh, disciplines, right? Uh, Teachings in various, in various disciplines. So the first one, the the, the first one that I think should be taught to everyone is evolutionary biology, evolution, your, your your evolution and everything else. Because there you could see uh, what I want people to see there that I've seen is that you know how you were constructed, right? and therefore when you expand on how the mind works you know how you're programmed so there are two um uh there are two things and i i say this to people there are two things that you have to be mindful of in your programming one is a bioevolutionary program right for example uh thirst right that's a you you need to drink etc and then there is the sociocultural program where the thirst becomes i thirst for justice so those are our programming, and their programming is put in there by evolution, put in there by our families, our teachers, so your attitudes. You examine your attitudes towards money, towards uh, other people, and so on. You could see there there are programs in you that are running. There are programmed in there, and and that's why you have to study your evolution, right, and see how you're wired. And the important thing in there that I actually emphasize is know your cognitive biases, right. Uh, you know, your confirmation bias, your, uh, you know, sunk cost fallacy bias, and all of these uh, cognitive biases out there, they are how the brain work, right? Uh, Though, you know, we're not immune to them, we make them all the time, we we make the mistakes all the time, but at least when they're there, you're able to recognize what they are, right? So that's one field that uh, I wish people would would, uh, actually take a look at more closely. not just evolution of the body, but the the, the evolution of the programming of us, right? How we're programmed. Um, And uh, the the second thing that I uh, actually would like people to take a look at is ecology, right? Or deep ecology, a speech of Capra used to say deep ecology, meaning our fundamental relationship with the environment and everything else in it. Right? If you begin to know that you are just one species in in this, you begin to see how insignificant you are and start, stop taking yourself way <laughs> <absolutely. laughs> too seriously. Uh, and the third is, um, is statistics, rational thinking, you know, uh, Bayesian thinking, even Bayesian statistics, so because that is more difficult. But I think it should be taught like in high school already, because it's the basis for rational thinking. It's uh, thinking with your basically making decisions based on your emotion is easy, because that's intuitive, that's knee jerk, right? But when you have to make decisions that are data based, which we have now with with expansion of AI, and this is preparing our our youth for the world that we're creating, right? You should know statistics. You should know you know, uh, probability, statistics and probability. You should know the various statistical models that are out there. You should start early. Um, a simple example there is the seatbelt law, right? Um, you know, um, before we didn't have it, but when we found out that, because we have cars and our technology, and that uh, uh, they found out that people that with, with seatbelts actually reduced their uh, trauma, uh, the intensity of the trauma or deaths by X percent. So that's a rational decision right? And the example that I gave, Massachusetts was one of the last states to adopt it because it wrinkled their clothes, right? But, but <laughs> if, if you take a look at it, um, I, I remember these things by, by uh, funny examples like that, but it can be applied to your life, right? There are certain decisions in your life where you actually have to, to make uh, the effort because it requires energy to, to do rational decision making, right? We do, it, we do it all the time in medicine, right? We're uh, essentially looking at, um, uh, at data uh, all the time of what's coming in. Um, but the problem is that, you know, I, I, I taught statistics for almost uh, 20 years. And even even now, uh, you know, uh, when, when uh, doctors read articles, it is scary for me what kind of conclusions they draw from it by not understanding exactly the models of statistics that they're looking at, right? So we should start this early. So we could have essentially a love for, uh, a love for how we evolved and knowing how we're programmed as organic robots that are walking around here on Earth, the Earth that we're in, right, this is the ecology uh, that we are, and then how we make better decisions by uh, exerting a little effort uh, by taking a look at the data points and how they might be related to one another that's the more difficult part, because it requires more energy. But we need more of that right now, because of the issues that we have for climate change, for example, um, and all of these other things that are happening to us, those cannot be revealed by intuition, intuition, those are revealed by the data points in our studies. So, um, so those are the three things that have influenced me a lot. I know, um, you know, they're general classes of, uh, of knowledge, but um, they have served me well in being able to understand myself, mm-hmm. right, and being able to make decisions, uh, immediate decisions on something, uh, on things that get, need to get decided on, that are based on, uh, using your terminology now, that when you decide it's based on love, it's based on abundance, it's based on health, it's based on happiness, it's based on bliss, right? So you're able to make those automatically but it does require some study when, you know, uh, when, when you do that, right? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm able to, like, for example, yeah, I'm, I'm able to provide for my family, but at what cost, right? At what cost are, are, are we doing this? Right? So, so he, th- these are the things that um, when we actually have a decent, when our kids even have a decent understanding, you know, of, of these fields of, uh, Of knowledge, they grow up being more conscious of that they're not really separate from their environment. Um, And one of the things in in health, for example, that that we always forget is our vitamin D levels. Right, we are yoked to the sun, man. You know, you go out every morning and get some sun. Yeah, yeah. You're yoked to the sun, and that's how. And vitamin D gene is what about 750 million years old. So the receptor, uh, of that 700, about 750 million years old, wow. we were, we did not yet exist, we're only 250 million years old, right? As a species. So, um, uh, you see how all of these are actually, you know, serving to, to remind us that we are, uh, we are the environment itself, right? We're not separate from it. We're Amen. actors in it. Yeah.
1: Love it, dude. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's maybe the coolest answer to my closing question ever, by the way. You know, usually it's like, oh, shout out to Gandhi, Jesus Christ, uh, you know, whatever, author or something. That's that's deep stuff, man. Wow, thank you so much for for being able to go to the depths with me today and thank you for doing the work you do. Uh, in closing, just give us your websites where people can find transcriptions, uh, yeah, any um, of the other stuff you're doing.
0: If, uh, you, know, um, if you want to check out blue canatine and just blue, which is uh, all methylene blue, it's uh, at Transcriptions.com. That's t- like prescriptions, but with a T-R-O because we use trokees. Um And then uh, for uh, the, if you're interested in uh, h- having a framework for biohacking or helping others biohack or if you're a physician who would like to use you know um, the new omics uh, sciences in your practice you can train with us it's a nonprofit, profit uh, homehope.org um, as you know uh, the descriptions actually is a major donor that allows uh, homehope.org to be able to do its charitable work educating uh, Physic- there, there's a program for physicians, uh, which is Health Optimization Medicine. There's a program for healthcare practitioners who are non-physicians called Health Optimization Practice or Hope. That's why it's called HomeHope.org. Our slogan is "Let's bring medicine home," right? Cool, man. Yeah. Um, and then, um, uh, the of course, the, our main website, which contains nothing is but our mission, which is to democratize enlightenment, is uh, SNHLife.com. Um, And uh, for those in Asia, uh, you know, there is uh, BiobalanceInstitute.com and uh, MetametricsLab.com.ph, which is uh, uh, essentially in the Philippines.
1: Cool. Cool, man. Wow God damn, you're managing a lot of stuff, my friend. You must be doing something right if your brain's able to do all that. <laughs> well,
0: if I can <laughs> maintain this genetic, epigenetic age, I must be doing something right.
1: I, I'm like, I barely managed my one website, and that's a lot. so yeah, man, thanks so much, TED. great to see you dude. Oh Thank you. Thanks for spending time with us.
0: Always, always. Look.
1: Well, I trust if you made it through the duration of this conversation, you know I wasn't overselling Dr. Ted in the intro. Man, what an incredible human being. Uh, Just so much fun, so lighthearted. You know, it's interesting. I've noticed over the years that um, many folks who are on the spiritual path and uh, folks that are highly intelligent and intellectual like Ted often carry with them an air of seriousness, and uh, a wise teacher once told me, never trust anyone that's too serious. <laughs> I think that's really true. I mean, there are a few thought leaders and philosophers that I, for whom I have respect, but um, I find them a little less impressive if they can't laugh at themselves and kind of laugh at the human predicament. And Dr. Ted is great at all of that. So thank you so much. And it really is a pleasure for me to be able to find people like Dr. Ted and curate these conversations for you to enjoy. Uh, I can only hope that you get as much out of them as I do. I mean, this for me is just part of my journey. These are people I would be talking to anyway, if they would, um, give me an audience. Uh, so the fact that I get to turn some mics on and share these chats with you makes it even sweeter. So thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this show, you're in for another massive doozy next week with episode 392 featuring Charles Eisenstein. That one's called Healing the Collective and Awakening to Unity. And like Ted, Charles Eisenstein is an incredibly brilliant mind and huge heart, and I've wanted to interview him for ages and just happened to catch him on a recent visit to Austin. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that download. And finally, remember if you want to try some of Dr. Ted's formulations, you can go to lukestory.com/troscriptions and for a limited time, you can use the code luke10 to get 10% off and then later on you can use the code luke5 for 5% off. Uh, that's the blue canatine, the uh, just blue which I think is I think it's called it's 16 milligrams of methylene blue, that one will light you up and of course their new product of which I'm a massive fan called TroCalm. And Trocom is the one that's got, uh, what's it got? Kava, CBD, GABA, and some other calming thing. I forget. I think there are four ingredients, but man, it's, it's great. I, I've been actually savoring those and hoarding them. I think I have two or three of the TroCalm trochies at home. Uh, trochies are things you put up in between your cheek and gum to get it to your brain faster. You probably heard Ted explain that uh, during this conversation, but. Um, I save those trocoms for like dire emergencies of stress and renovating this house seemingly endlessly here in Texas (laughs) gives me a lot of stress. So I keep those for when I'm like about to blow my top and uh, they really do work. They're pretty cool stuff. So check them out over at LukeStory.com slash Troscriptions. And as you know, anytime someone on the show is like promoting their stuff, I always... Uh, make sure that we get you guys a discount. Um, so hopefully that's helpful. I, I would hate to have people kind of get you all pumped on something and then you go to the site and it's like, well, oh, got to pay full price. I just listen to this guy for two hours. So I'm hoping that that uh, is helpful for you guys. And you can always find all the stuff that I'm into over at lukestory.com slash store. I've been curating that online marketplace for going on seven years. Uh, after I started this podcast, um, I started to notice people would hit me up on social and shoot me emails. Hey, what's your favorite product for this and for that? And what do you use for this? And I just decided to put them all in one uh, handy place, which again is at slash store. And there you'll find literally everything I've ever used that I think is supportive of health and well being. And um, more importantly, things that I still use all the time, like Dr. Ted stuff. So you can save yourself some, um, internet searching by just going there. And it's funny because often, uh, almost daily I get messages from people on Instagram. Usually, um, I think that's the platform I get most of the DMS and someone will say like, Hey, what's your favorite water filter? Shower filter is a big question. Um, what's the difference between FLFE, Blue Shield and Soma Vedic, which one's best? You know, the EMF stuff. Um, people have a lot of questions about what I recommend and, you know I, I i would say i wear the term expert loosely <laughs> but uh, i am very discerning about the products that i use around my home and things i put in and on my body and i do quite a bit of research to eventually land on what i think is the best in class of any type of product so you can know that and um there have been times where i'm onto some product and then i figure out there's a better one and so i i update the website and get rid of the old one and put the better one too so i'm kind of constantly updating uh, my web store. And just for clarity, I don't sell anything myself except my blue blocking glasses, which you can find on my site or just go to gildedbylukestory.com. But uh, what I do is essentially just provide discount codes and links to all my favorite products. And in some, but not all cases, I also uh, receive a sales commission on things you buy through my store, which is incredibly helpful for me Um, as a content creator. It allows me to run this whole thing and keep producing long form quality content with consistency and not have to go get a job down the street at Home Depot or whatever I'd have to do if I wasn't doing this. I think this is the only thing I'm really qualified to do, quite frankly. <laughs> so, you know, thank thank you for supporting the store and know that you're not only saving yourself time and energy to have to figure all this stuff out yourself, but uh, hopefully getting discount codes and um, sometimes helping support what I'm doing too. So hopefully that's a trifecta win for the brands, for you and for me and my, uh, team of awesome people like my incredible executive assistant slash show producer, Bailey, Bailey Richardson. Shout out to that girl. Oh my God. Would I be lost without her? You guys might remember a while back I was, um, posting and making announcements on this show that I, I needed a superhero ninja jack of all trades and, um, a lot of great people applied and, um, did tons of interviews and things like that. And uh, finally, Bailey appeared and um, she's been a real godsend. So I like to give the people that support me and what I do some love here and there. So if you ever hear this, Bailey, thank you so much. And for those of you that aren't Bailey, send her some prayers and well wishes because she's an incredible human and makes it possible for all of this to work, quite frankly. So I think that's it, folks. Uh, I am stoked, man. Next week to be back with you for Charles Eisenstein. He he's a very frequently requested guest, uh, also. And the only reason I haven't gotten around to it is there's just so many interesting people that my list of people that uh, my dream interviews is is very long. And uh, generally, I wait until I can get them in person, which was, of course, the case with Charles. So for those of you that are you know, wandering into 2022 and having a hard time keeping your faith and hope for the future of humanity. And it happens to me sometimes too. Trust me, things are super weird. I mean, it's just, we are living in a simulation and oftentimes, uh, even your old host and friend Luke here is going like, can I just please get a ticket to another planet? This place is insane. But Charles, uh, our guest next week does a really great job in just, um, making it all make sense, man. It was a really enlightening conversation for me. So I'm very happy to share that one with you. And with that, I am going to shut down this mic and uh, get to work on the next episode. God bless. Be well.